Welcome to a brand new episode of TCP. Boy, we got some roster moves. Got things going on. Players being traded. The trade deadline has finally happened, which means uh, everybody, all these teams just kind of scrambled to get some players across the line. A couple of late announcements as well, but we managed to catch all of that. And uh, now roll it all up into one nice episode where we talk about every single trade that happened the last week. Which is a metric that already knew about that Yeska already knew about about three weeks in advance. <laughs> so, did I not in. know about any trades? Mm. No, I, I think I knew all of them. Unfortunately, some guy. some of them you just can't get over. Like I knew the creative. Can you imagine what it must be like being me? Knowing, no, like, haven't, no, haven't, not ever, not ha once, haven't been, <laughs> having been told this is happening by someone, mm. and then I'm like, oh, God damn it, I can't validate it, and then Prophet starts playing Brig, and I'm like, I'm losing my mind, <laughs> and then it's like, okay, so if the Outlaws start playing and it's also not, you know, <laughs> Iris playing, yeah. then you just gotta tweet, nah, I can't tweet it, and then Lazarus playing Brig, and I'm like. How am I the only one seeing this? Like, <laughs> such an unrealist. I mean, to be fair, it's a very unusual trade as well. But um, yeah, in the end, like once again, we are only doing hundred percent things. So sure. that unfortunately didn't work. Man, and that's only the tip of the iceberg. True. True. Quite a bit more. Because Yuska had all the justice shit on lock as well for the longest time. I mean, I'm, yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> Having had a little bit of a bird's eye view on that situation, man, what a tough week of negotiations all around. That was... We got to have a better system than this. I'm not sure what it is. Maybe there can't be. But Jesus Christ, that was tense. And mm -hmm. I think all the options that were on the table, like they had so much could have happened. And now we're just in a situation where I think I kind of like this solution because well, there's definitely like other, there's definitely like other uh, potential ways justice could have gone about it that yes. people don't even realize. Yeah. So, I mean, this is uh, one of the outcomes and, here we are. Yeah. For like I hope I eventually get to talk about the the micro macro aspect and how to create leverage in the Overwatch League with your trades and whatnot. Because this is a very interesting case study. But unfortunately, I like the problem is I have some behind the scenes information. I don't have the full picture. And I would have to ask these people and I doubt they would give me that information but just like having mm. a bird's eye view on this situation I felt like David Edinburgh half the time you know you're just like looking at this and you're like seeing like I don't know a snake eat a cute bunny and you could be kicking the snake you know that it's totally a thing that you could be doing but you're you you're now vowed to the ways of nature you're just a journalist trying to Report on what is happening. You're <laughs> you just know. a nature nature photographer watching. Yeah. And I mean <clears throat> I think in the end it was 
an interesting week, but also like nobody lost their jobs as far as I can tell so far. Is that true? Um, I think Supreme is still employed. I think, or rather became a player. Um, I think three very promising players have found a, a position. I'm not saying all is fine and dandy there. I'm, I'm sure some, some players would have liked other outcomes. But overall, I think like this is probably a thing that most people can live with. Mm. And the Justice is still playing well. So, I mean. We will get to, we'll, we'll get to them. We're going to get to the actual news. But first, I want to announce... That Optic Texas are keeping their 2022 <laughs> squad together for Jesus Modern Christ. Warfare 2, which I think is great. Jesus so, um, yeah, Dashi and Ellie got dropped for like 24 hours. And I was quite concerned, but it seems like they're all back together now, which is good. Um, I'm actually really keen for Modern Warfare 2. It does look pretty good. So, yeah, I'm down. I already have it pre-ordered. I'm going to play the campaign a week early. This yeah. is how it works now. Um. And I'll be making my imminent switch to the CDL. So Damn. it's been nice, guys. It's been good. It's been good. I actually don't know that much about Call of Duty. But I know they make great, good content. The team content in, in CDL is just so much better. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because the player personalities are obviously way bigger. Yeah. And like they're just more entertaining to watch in terms of player content. But um, yeah, there's less of a language barrier because it's all like NA EU players. And everyone speaks English, so it's just easy to consume the content. But uh, yeah, get to, get to be a bit of a content fiend there. Um, well, the content we got though is—I feel like this is the kind of stuff that happens in both leagues. Like a bunch of trades happen, players get dropped and picked up all the time. They actually have players being picked up and dropped all the time as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know if it gets as much like. I think for them it's a lot more normal, whereas in, in for us it's like, what is happening? Everyone's everything's on fire. Ah, save us! Mm -hmm. um, but there's a lot to cover today, so we'll, we'll get into it. There's all the justice stuff, the Houston Soul Trade. We have, you know, looking into how the games have gone for the teams that have picked up the new players from Washington, etc. Uh, Junker Queens confirmed nerfed. Uh, we had the whole Spitfire trade and drop as well. And APAC started. So without further ado, 258. Brought to you by Everlivis the Baby, Battle Crab, Refine Bean, Bronze Bob Brew, Picasso, Chris R3444, Cash67, Lol Shin, Pork Chop Sammy, Rex Zane, Bottomel Smooth Nuts. With YouTube members, Ice Ham Jello, William Jesse, Vishman, Violem and Six, AK, and Chris R. So so we reached a pretty happy ending for the Washington Justice, or at least for the players, because uh, as as we kind of alluded to, there were a bunch of different options, which actually did include potentially dropping the current roster. But they managed to keep on five members of this team. They've decided not to sign a sixth member. Uh, why don't we actually bring up the, the Grant tweet about that? No, he actually didn't make a tweet. It was a Grant message from the Washington Justice uh, Discord server that... I guess, in a way, it's like an official announcement, even though it's not like really an announcement in the way that it came through the Justice Socials. Uh, paraphrasing, essentially, they are not going to be picking up a sixth player to fill out the roster 
minimum league requirements. What they're going to be doing is kind of taking the New York Excelsior route that they had earlier on, where Kuki was uh, signed on as a player, and uh, the the Washington Justice will be putting a staff member on as their final member, and uh, will not be rounding out uh, the roster. So there is that. Uh, I don't know if we can get the tweet or not. Or the there was a tweet covering the message. Is essentially what it was. But um, yeah, they, that came from within the Justice Camp. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yes, let's bring that up now. So yeah, they are not going to be signing any further players. No further players can be moved anyway because the roster, did, uh, the trade deadline has been reached and you can't now do anything unless it's with contenders players. So all Overwatch League player movements are, can, have concluded. Unless you want to pick up Piggy, but I don't think that's the, the goal. I, I remember like seeing some confusion around this and some there's a lot of fans that are upset by this move, obviously. But yeah. there's like fans like, well, why wouldn't you why wouldn't you pick up a six player? Like, you know, like uh how are they gonna win without a six player? Or, or, or like, oh, I think they should have kept happy and got rid of Assassin, or they should have done this, they should have done that. It's like I don't think you guys understand the goal of these moves is not to create a better roster for the justice. It's about cutting cost. Okay, so would, people talking about it like, oh, they should have done this. This would have been yeah. better for the team. It's like it's not. That's not what it's about. Yeah, it's yeah. not. Uh, it's not about what would have been better for the team. It's about what would have saved more money. So you guys are looking at it from the wrong perspective. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think it's it's that's an interesting point of view to like what maximizes potential here. Right, I mean, we we heard some other things on the table. I think Halo like was soft hinting the Team Peps thing and whatnot. Like, if you sit f five or six Frenchmen in their own apartments, you don't have to pay them, you know, um, housing or whatnot. That probably maximizes, right? Um, but there are of course other other values to consider here, right? Like. You still hold the contract for decay. Do you think you can get money for him in the off season? I think that's probably going to be the case, right? We will see how it goes, but like once budgets are replenished, one guy makes a big move for a big player. Now we have set the precedent. Everyone's once again bringing out the war chest. It happens like this every year. Maybe it's it won't be that way. This year, or in, in, you know, next off season, we'll see. I I believe it when I see it because you don't know how often I have heard mean and lean, uh, in terms of like economic roster building. Like every season, you hear mean and lean, mean and lean, and then in the end, it's like, you know, still still some rosters that are very healthy in terms of uh, salary and or oh, healthy is a bad adjective here, but like you know, paying a solid amount. So. Yeah, I don't know. I think like even just from the outside looking at this situation, if you if you keep the objectives in mind that every party has here, it's probably a very interesting situation and with uh, what kind of solutions you could come up with here. This is probably the all, most. It's like yeah, I would I think gonna say kind of similar to what what you're probably headed to. Avril is like this is probably one of the better like outcomes that could have happened in the multiverse of this is the outcome that fucked over the least amount of people right yeah exactly 
Yep. Because people, if people are fuming now, they'd be fuming a lot more if the five remaining players yeah. of justice were let go. Yeah. Especially if they were let go after the trade deadline, which was a possibility. Yeah, the fact that, like, you know, Perius is reporting that that was on the table, that, you know, a team was about to, like, hold players effectively kind of hostage uh, is, is kind of, pardon my French, kind of fucked. So imagine imagine the, the discourse that would have happened if, if that were the mm-hmm. case. Not good, not ideal. So, you know, credit what credit due is props to Justice for actually, dis- despite this entire situation, yeah. finding the best possible outcome that is going to appease Mark Ein while still not ending the careers of multiple players at the same time. Mm. So, like, you've kind of, if there was a way, this is one of those, like, RPG game options where you needed to play two separate factions. Yeah. and ride the line as much as possible to keep them both happy and if you did it perfectly through a series of different moves you get to the end of the decision making and there's a third dialogue option that only unlocks if you just if you if you played the negotiation as perfectly as you could and you somehow managed to fulfill both so yeah, somehow sure. we reached that somehow we got that yeah uh, which we got to be Kinda at least that, yeah. you know somewhat pleased about because this kind of this could have easily have gone way worse Oh, for sure. Um, Could have gone bad real quick. And we'll get to the games as well, but um, we should probably go over what, I, what the actual trades ended up being, because we, we circled around it, and I have to assume maybe some people don't know. Uh, we'll also talk about how the Justice now look post-trade. Uh, so the end of the, we hope, the end of the Justice saga is happy to Gladiators, mag to Boston. Actually, chronologically, mag to Boston happened first, was announced first, then mag to Sorry, Mag to Boston, then Happy to Gladiators, and then finally Vigilante to Atlanta. Um, and the team was now running Assassin, Decay role swapping from its scan to Flex. Caligos uh, coming in to play the tank position as the only tank now. Well, wh- whoever's playing is the only of whatever they are. Yeah. And then you have Open and Krillin filling uh, the, the support positions. And then the final position is left open to nobody to a staff member that will never see playtime. Um, do we want to go over that part just yet? I don't know if we want to talk about the morality of the staff member six position thing. Because I, I saw some fan discourse that was like, you know, the, the team should not be allowed to get away with this. Like, this should be illegal. Um, and I think mor- morally, I agree. But yep. I also think, like, in order to do that, the league has to define what the hell a player is. Because until you can define what a player is, Legally speaking, you can sign whoever the fuck you want in that spot. Yep. Because you you can just say, oh yeah, this is a player. Because here's you have to consider the fact that there are teams that are not trying to like skirt the rules that are trying to do this genuinely, and that would be Houston last year with Jake. Right, he's both a staff member and a player. Yep. He's a yeah. player coach, right? Um, so for the teams that are trying to do it legitimately, you can't punish them. So if you're looking at it from Houston's perspective, it's like, how do you define what a player is? Because this is a coach member that's also playing, is legitimately playing, and is still a pro player. Um, that's hard to quantify. Yeah, you know, it's almost that's hard impossible. To write into the, it's hard to write into the rule book because any other team can can use that and pretend they're being genuine about it. It's like, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, of course Bob from marketing is a player. What are you talking mm-hmm. about? Like, how, how could you say he's not a player? And you're like, you know, 
even if you even if you you i heard some fans try to say like well you would define it by like you know maybe you Maybe you have to judge. Time. Maybe you have to. Maybe you have to judge if they're like a good enough player. I'm like, but how how would you That's, do that? Like, then then you yeah. get into like some real weird yeah, yeah, yeah. territory where it's awesome. just like, you know, what if there's, yeah, you can't. Like, what are you gonna do? Like, set a minimum rank requirement? Like, you have to be 4K SR to join the league. Like, what are you what are you even gonna do there? Like, yeah, yeah. basically, what it ends up being is like any anybody that any team feels could be like a potential good player on their team. The team should be able to pick up that player or that person without any sort of, you know, without any sort of restriction. Because then you get into the weird space. It's like, I want to get Patty, but he's currently playing Valorant. Obviously, he's not in ranked. He's not going to be 4K because he's not fucking playing Overwatch ranked. So I can't pick up Patapan now. Like, you know, do you understand yeah. what I mean? Like, you're getting some real muddy waters there by placing, like, all these restrictions and distinctions on, on what that is. So... You end up just having to trust the teams to be like, well, whoever the team wants to pick up, they can pick up and they they can suffer the consequences of that if they get the wrong person, then I'll get it's it's and also then it's like Yeah. Go on. And then it's like finally, it's like, well, you gotta define it by like you know, their their intention to win. It's like, well, how do you define intention to win? Yeah. yeah. Because I could say, like, for me, if I wanted to skirt around the rules as a GM, I'd be like, yeah. Our intention is to win with Bob for marketing. What are you gonna do about it? Like, you can't say that you can yes. it's your word against mine. You can't say that I don't intend to win. And then yeah. if I if I and then if, and then when we lose, I can just say, well, you know, we made the wrong call. Yeah, our intention was to win, and we made the wrong call. Unlucky. That happens to yeah. teams. You can't yeah. again, it's your word against mine. You can't say that I you know, I think morally we like we can get to the stage where like I could lie through my fucking teeth and I know I'm lying. You know I, I you know I'm lying, but by the yeah. word of the law, I'm clear. I'm fine. You can't do shit. Yep. That's just why. That's just how it is. Look, like there's there's two things that seem so pristinely clear to me. Like I don't understand why why we why one of the top comments is like how is that even allowed? So for <laughs> one, this is the third time this happened. Yes, this has happened before. I don't know. Like if anybody's this, it's how is that? I, I, it's not unprecedented whatsoever, right? We've yeah. se so seen it with. Uh, what's like it? So? Yeah, with Cookie and then N NVM. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. So I share in the value. Okay. So why is that now a problem? Well, it shouldn't be. I think it's it. To me, it feels like we just took like a machete to the groin. We have this <laughs> giant gaping wound, and someone comes up with a band aid and goes. Well, maybe we should judge the intention of the team that uh, is fielding or is signing a coach in that position. No, what we should be doing is create a fucking league that works so there are incentives for people to win again. That's the solution. Yes. Yes. The incentive should be you want to sign actual players to win because you're you trying to win. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of in people, you like punishing the loophole doesn't make sense when the idea is that you should be incentivizing teams to not even go to, towards a loophole in the first place. Yeah. yeah. And every good thing follows from that, right? And of course, like that's easier said than done for sure. But like trying to design rules around that is just so weird. And yeah. the other thing is, and I'm going to be honest with you, like I have no one, like. Look. You fans fucking suck creating incentives for, <laughs> for people in this league. 
Sorry, did you say the fans suck? Because that's kind of bad. Fans anyway, fucking continue. suck creating I incentives do. for people to give you shit you want in this league. Everyone who is has any sort of attempted any sort of transparency in this league will eventually grow to regret it. Because as you move out of obscurity, you now become a target. Every single one mm-hmm. of the, oh, the shit that we had around, especially staff members, this is always true. You know that this is why I, you have to half expect that Brad from ATL is, is a little bit like abnormal because he keeps putting himself in, into the positions where he keeps sharing interests while getting shed on by the public because they have a face to put. Well, the he's eventually going to stop too. Brad's yeah. going to eventually stop too. The, the thing is, like, his skin is is abnormally thick. For like, he is he has eaten shit many times, and he's still providing uh, insights into all their decisions to an uh, almost unprecedented degree uh, mm. that most other people it, it, in this position. It serves do. him no benefit because who no. like. Nobody's how does, it doesn't rewarding help, for them. How does it help them? It only yeah. fucks with them. It only fucks with them because A, other teams will use your insider knowledge against you if they can, and B, the fans will fucking use it against you too. Yeah. So the very small number of like people that are like, oh, thank you, Brad. Like that's it's so good, good that you're being transparent. Um, you should be angry at the other fans that are using that as ammo against the staff members coming out and being transparent. You should be pissed that less and less staff members want to be open and transparent because if they do, they just get shit, shit on. So, you know, you're not, you're just not going to get people the, with transparency. The thing is, here, uh, here's, here's your best, now like fans are listening to this going like, well, that's not really true. Okay, why did you not give the NYXL the same energy that you gave ju- the Justice? They have exhibited almost exactly the same, you know, like results, the uh, the coaching worst results actually yeah the coaching situation right they don't have absolutely comparable budgets but reasonably comparable budgets right like almost everything but you you until some you. social media manager fucked up <laughs> in uh, here and also this is another hill I I bro this is an esport. How are we? How is ninety percent of our Discord about social media managers now? Stop! Stop! Okay, that's my, uh, yeah. Um, but the thing is, like, it's it's you know that it's who who is listening right now? Who knows what Nugget looks like? Who has ever heard Nugget's voice or has seen his face? So. How Wait, are you Nugget? I've never seen Nugget and you I've in the seen same a single, room. And, seen just, a single tweet and you know what? You know what? You know that dude is smart because you have never seen his face, heard him talk, or yeah. like that. That's the best thing you can do. That's accurately analyzing the situation, knowing that you're not getting any personal benefit out of that. This is this is the type of move where, like, if everyone did this, and this was just an assumption, you know, like that general managers are expected to do, do this, then I think it could increase quality of the product and whatnot. But f- for there to be no incentives and to have like implicitly baked in this incentive structure that, yeah, initially it might feel good. You, like you can educate the masses. You can increase empathy for your position. But you're now opening the wide side. Like now that people have a face to put the criticism to, all mm. the unjust shit 
that uh, you know who is mostly invisible as well? The owner behind the general manager or the coach or the player or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And it's all guided onto that one person. Like, how often people have this fucked up simulacra of like this one dude of an organization that's just tried to be informative dude and now is like the scapegoat is crazy and like unless we stop doing this like the the incentive structure is just not there why would you ever like even as a player why would you ever like yeah we played our game today it didn't work like this uh we will try our best to do better next week why would you ever give any other answer then do this that one. and people call you salty it's like uh, l bro l ratio bro salty it's like you can't even say anything like it, it, players can't even like make a statement about why they think that you know nothing you know people just people just being stupid about it like um think through every single general manager that has eaten shit this season and you will find that there's a large overlap about them having been a person in the community or having, you know, done interviews and whatnot, and those that happened. Yeah. The, the correlation is crazy, and it's not co- coincidental. Speak, well, people, people, people are very scapegoaty. The community, not just this community, all communities, all just online interaction, mm-hmm. is extremely scapegoaty. People want to blame somebody. Like, you know, the more I look at our society, the more I'm like, yeah, we're still stuck in the 1700s, guys. Like, people are still trying to, people are still looking for witches to burn on the stake in 2020 fucking two. You know, proverbially now, like we're not actually burning. Well, in some cases, people do lose their jobs. So you make the argument distinction of like whether people are being burned at the stake or not. Um, because the the people that just get fucking witch hunted and lose their jobs, I would I would say that in some case, you know, lose your career, you lose your livelihood. I mean, in some cases that is your life. Um, yeah. And I can answer the question is like, well, why have people not looked at NYXL in the same way? Uh, which, by the way, and I have, to, I have to preface this by saying what I said in the last episode, which is that this is not me saying that people should suddenly go and attack the NYXL. But no, no, yeah, that was my point. The distinction of the double distinction of the double standard that exists in the community, which is like, you know, here's why people uh, didn't. Here's here's why the biggest drama surrounding the NYXL this season is about the fucking social media, social manager, media manager and the and the yeah. tweeting that somehow was the biggest drama behind this team this year, even though. Uh, their list of offenses is as great as the justices, if not more, if not worse. The reason they've escaped any vitriol is no one knows who their GM is. Um, and people, I guess people know who Kuki is and because he got burned at the stake, people, people, people were satiated. Like, hey. People, people's bloodlust were satiated because they saw somebody burn. Um, you know, the fresh smell of a staff member on a pyre in the morning is what the people want. Um, and yep. what else? Uh, they 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 were baited and had the sh- had the wool pull over their eyes with the whole Vulcan situation. They didn't like it, but they also didn't hate it. They didn't hate as much as this the staff announcement for the Washington Justice, even though it's functionally the same thing. You will never see this staff member from the Justice actually play, just like you never saw Vulcan play. Functionally, they are there to exist yeah. as a fill-in player to fill minimum roster requirements. And there's zero intention also, to play them. Also, like MVM last year in Valiant as well. Real talk. Sorry. Like I saw saw some people brought up the defense while Cookie was an Overwatch League player. Okay, how <laughs> does he though? In, was he though? okay, in your mind, okay, how does oh, it make if God. if you if you believe that's a material difference, then why would they need to sign Vulcan? Like if 
if Kellen doesn't make it there because of his visa, then you just field Cookie, right? That's this position. That's a oh, former Overwatch League player, that, seemingly in the same uh, situation. If that's your like material difference, then you must believe that he will, will be able to jump in. Otherwise, he's just a coach like everybody else, like the Justice situation, like the Valiant situation, and like it's looking like many situations in the future. They're, they're targeting the wrong thing. Like they, yeah. they are targeting the teams for doing this and not the source of the problem, which is teams are incentivized to do this yes. because they don't want to fucking invest because they don't want to put more money into something that is losing the money. That's the real problem, guys. Yeah, that's the problem. And the, no one's talking about that. Yeah. Or at least, at least people like more, they, they, they want to, you know, they, they're, they're literally wanting blood, burning the wrong fucking person at the stake because they need to see somebody burn. Meanwhile, the, the real cause of the issues, they're, they're fucking hiding behind glass and just one-way glass and just smoking their cigar. I'm, I, that's maybe a little bit disingenuous. It's a little bit more complicated than that, but it's the analogy I'm going to go with to paint the picture. <laughs> yeah. Um, Insert some gear It's not as simple as guys, but it's, it's something. It's right. just what, what I'm saying is like, you know, functionally, there's no difference between NYXL putting Kuki and Vulcan on the lineup theoretically and never intending to play them as what Justice is doing now. Functionally, there is zero difference. Yeah. The fact that the the only thing that moves the needle for people is like, oh, at least Kooky was an output. Like that. That's, what the fuck that's does that even reach. mean? Like that doesn't make any difference. That makes zero difference. Sorry, it doesn't make any I've, difference. Because even if Kooky played, it wouldn't be fucking good anyway. Like, it's, if, if what? So what? If, if, they, if they just had, if Justice did this with an ex Overwatch League play, maybe they, maybe they only played in 2018. They have no intention. How about um yeah how how about if they brought back Boink when I say bring back Boink they're like how about they they do an aesthetic signing for Boink Justice right now do an aesthetic signing for Boink um Boink is hasn't played the game in fucking six years uh that's I'm exaggerating because the game's only been out for six years um he hasn't played the game since he retired and he has no intention of playing again literally doesn't play the game maybe doesn't play any games uh they cosmetically signed him. And your defense is going to be, oh, but at least he's an ex actually plays like, but functionally it makes no difference. So why would you yeah. even bring that up? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's it's very weird the way this is differently framed. I will also say just because I feel like I've I've maybe come across as like giving NYXL special shit. No, it's it's about the principal case, and I will even go go out and say like, I think Nugget is probably one of the reasons why they're doing better at the moment. So I I think it's just correctly interpreting the situation. There's no incentive. The one thing that you could be doing is stand in solidarity as a wider coaching staff of a team, all be open, and all become like a united front where, you know, you like, it's not just the one person that's a, a public face you know facing figure yeah. to to become the one that Everybody. receives all the um criticism I, I, I would say for instance an organization that usually does it pretty well here is uh dallas for instance like it's no problem to get interviews with you know um aid in the past rush in the past tasmo mm -hmm. like all of these guys like if if you request them to do interviews they will just do it right yeah um and i think that helps just like demystify the situation where I guess to a degree, I have empathy with fans because, like, the lack of transparency 
you know, we're, we're pattern-seeking creatures. The, you look at the f information you have, you overinterpret what you have, and then, like, some shit comes out. But we got to do better than that because the reason you don't have the information is because what you do with the information doesn't lead to desirable outcomes for uh, the people in this, these positions, and it leads to a worse product. And there are very few things in that particular way. Of course, like we, we can talk, we, we, we have to differentiate, like, yes, it, creating incentives to win again in this league is important, but it is also important to look at incentives mm. for people in charge of certain teams or, you know, head coaches and whatnot, um, and give them incentives to provide a richer um, experience without eventually just having to eat shit. And yes, you can say, like, well, that's just part of, the part of the job. A part of the job is, like, you're in the public eye, blah, 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 blah. Well, if you don't have to talk, then you don't, and then nobody gets to hear shit ever. That's the thing. You're, yeah. you're part of the public eye as a defense? Cool, then people won't be part of the public eye. Yes. That's the response. You are going to have invisible GMs and coaches that never say anything, that refuse interviews, that never show their faces, never make statements, never have tweets, don't even, maybe don't even have social media accounts. Yeah. They're going to be complete Illuminati invisible forces because if your defenses, they're part of the you know, public view, then people will stop being part of the public view and you can all eat shit. That's, that's the legit. I'm not even joking. That's not even an exaggeration. That's legitimately the response. That is the direction we are headed in. If your defense is public view, look, and the other defense people are like, oh, it's like, oh, is this, this is what this is how it's traditional sports is like, yeah, but in traditional sports, these motherfuckers are being paid millions of dollars um, yeah, in a sport, by the way, that people don't ridicule and has yeah. been lasting for a hundred years um, where, you know, and also the, 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 the reach the, the level of clout is different. We're talking about like people in positions with hundreds of thousands, millions of followers, um, very well off in, in, in very secure positions and their ability for the fans to actually reach them. Like, you know, that distance is so much further out because these people aren't fucking streaming and tweeting yeah. and like people that you can easily, you can't meet to these players in a fucking, you know, ranked game. You're not going to bump into your favorite player ranked. Uh, in in a, in a traditional sport, you're not going to bump into this coach or like have any sort of interaction. These coaches aren't going to stream on Twitch for you and answer your questions and doing Q and A. The level of distance between them and you, it's like they might as well live on the moon. Yeah. Right. Whereas like the people that exist in our space in esports, not even just Overwatch League, but just in esports in general, they're so close to everybody. Like, um, if Pre decided to stream, which he did plenty of, you could just go into a stream and talk to him. You, you're never going to get that with a GM of a traditional sports team. Like, you can't even make that same comparison. It's like, yeah. if you want to use, if you want to use the defense or like, this is how it is in traditional sports, it's like, cool, then we should just be a traditional sport. Let's treat us like a traditional sports, pay us like a traditional sport, have the viewership of a traditional sport, and have the, the extreme distance between the communication of like people working in that sport versus the fans. Yeah. But we don't have that. Yeah. And I will say, like, we're not going to solve it here, right? What we can do is like appeal to the you know educate educated like erudite tcp viewer to maybe <laughs> eventually uh, every once in a while grab one hill and just you know say look guys here's here's a lot of critical thinking what do we actually know about the situation can we be this sure that these are the people that are making the um the problems 
or like are incompetent dude this is another thing that i really i it's it's really hard to communicate to this to people without sounding like without sounding like being bad at judging characters or competence yourself but there are very few I find like whenever I get someone into a room and I discuss their ideas, their outlook on Overwatch League, judge their um, their ability to make decisions and whatnot, I'm seldom thinking, uh, getting out of this meeting going like, okay, that dude is probably just incompetent. Most of the people now in this league in leadership positions are smart, dude. They absolutely are. Like, sometimes you get dealt a shit hand. Maybe you're sitting on long contracts, right? Mm. Maybe your owner wants something out of you, which would be, could be anything from your lineup has to have X nationality ratio. Yeah. Your lineup yeah. can cost this. You have to uh, see, like, we only have, like, three rooms available for nine people. You know, like, whatever it is, you, you rarely get the full picture you rarely get the full picture of the negotiations how they went down how reputational issues can uh, work against you how um you know local issues can work against you like for instance let's say it's it's down to taxes it's down to like the local culture of the city you're in does it have a korea town where people can feel comfortable in and whatnot these like None of the franchises are created equal. The challenges are very unique in some circumstances, especially at the high levels of um, general managers who have to adapt to the specific situation. There are no idiots left anymore. I, I agree that we had incompetent fools, and unfortunately, we're, to this day, we're suffering from what they did to this league, and they, they definitely contributed to the erosion of uh, player rights. But for the most part, we filtered them out at this point. And um, we're in a position where if, if something looks like it's idiotic, like moronic, you probably, we probably don't have the full picture. I think that's a pretty good heuristic to go about things. Like if something looks like in sheer incompetence with very obvious solutions, you probably are missing something that is just not the case that they somehow couldn't do... There was a contract in place. There was, like, something behind the scenes going on that they couldn't do it. If, if you work yourself from that, you're more likely to find out the true uh, position of the, the special matter than the other way around. Never, never attribute to malice what owners could be doing behind the scenes. Or at least, you know apply Occam's razor if you can. It's just like maybe, it, despite most things not being super incompetent now, sometimes it's just some bullshit that happens that you have to play around. Could be some incompetency from elsewhere. Yeah. Um, and it's it's typically not due to malice. I mean, there there's no there's no situations here where people just mustache twirling villains. That doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. In real life, it's this is not a good and bad, good versus evil kind of situation. So we can just kind of stop there and not have to like <clears throat> um be on that level i don't know it's this is a this whole situation transparency is is a bit of a cash 22 
because like i've gone off on fans for just like wildly speculating it was like well what else are we supposed to do like we're not being given any information so of course we're going to wildly speculate but the issue is if you do get given information you still wildly speculate off whatever information you do get and then you eventually use that information as ammunition to burn somebody at the stake and someone ends up losing their fucking job over it so it's like no you don't get shit you just don't get shit there's so many things that people don't know about that happen behind the scenes and it's better that it stays that way because the public just can't be trusted with that kind of information um you know people aren't necessarily being lied to they're just having a lot like a lot of information being omitted because the public wouldn't know how to handle that kind of situation um and the people i know people were like yeah but i could handle it it's like maybe you could but the lowest common denominator among you can't and they're the ones that ruin it sorry so no um no i don't think i will is a, is a response when it comes to transparency uh let's talk about something that is public though unless unless joe wanted to finally touch up on that because we spent a little bit of time on that um i agree i think that uh i think we're entering not to get real meta but i think we're entering an age of social media that um i think people are waking up to the negative side effects of being a little too transparent and i think that's like trickling into our domain that you know maybe it being maybe the cost of being super public isn't worth uh the the reward that it could give you yep. and it sucks that it yeah. has to be that way but it, every every one reasonable person is a hundred idiots that just do yes. the wrong yes. thing with it yeah yep. and i will say it now just like feels very obvious to me why the the new battleground is social media managers because if nobody talks and there's only one public facing actor yep. and they, they all, it's they the all social media the man. yeah yes, i love that then then it's yeah. that dude right uh, yeah, he's on. the one that's talking they're the one that's talking so they get it like yeah it's it seems pretty pretty yeah, readable sadly to be fair there the public kind of like reacted pretty quickly in most of those instances and just went like guys that's not the guy who presses tweet that probably made the issue uh the problem here yeah i i would just like love if we could have that mechanism for all the other topics as well. Mm. Well, people, people also said it's like, well, we don't know who to blame. It's just like, that's not the point. The point is you're always looking for somebody to blame. So the people that you want to blame are hiding behind the shadows because they know you want to blame them. That's why you don't know who to blame. You don't know who to blame by design because the people don't want you to know who to blame. Yeah. Because you're very blamey. You are very finger pointy. Everyone's extremely finger pointy. Yeah. Uh, people can't just be chill about situation. They got to point fingers. Uh, let's move on, actually, now um, to the actual discussion of the moves itself. We want to go over the actual justice results first and talk about justice overall post trades. I would love to. Or do to. we start with. I am fucking down to talk about justice because I am right, weirdly Joe's glowing. Waiting. Joe's been waiting to talk. So, uh, I mean, Joe, why don't, you, why don't you take the floor here? <laughs> talk about the fact that justice have just gone. Two zero post, post sorry one zero post post blow up. Uh, yeah. They already did have no. Oh, hang on, I'm I'm capping. They they had a loss to San Francisco, which is quite reasonable. Reasonable, being reasonable. that they were two zero up, and then San Francisco yes. reverse swept them. I don't think that's crazy. I think you can't be upset about that, given that Shock looks like maybe the best team right now. Yeah. Um, so putting Shock to the knife and forcing them to reverse sweep you is a pretty damn good achievement for a team like yep. the Washington Justice. But then they come out post implosion and they just three zero florida and 
To be fair, we're only in week two of the summer showdown. Granted, this is halfway through the qualifying matches, so it's, you know, I think we are starting to see like the actual hierarchy of these teams. I think Florida is a team that kind of like sits in the wings a little bit. They, they're a little they're in that weird mess of a gray area. Um, but that's kind of where you assume justice was going to be, if not, maybe even a little bit worse post, you know, losing vigilante who somebody was, you know, everybody was waiting for them to come into the league and actually perform really well. You lose mag who, again, I think we're going to have to rewrite the book on like how, how we really should view mag, you know, looking at what he's doing with Boston. Um, and now you're seeing assassin come in who I think a lot of people just kind of like poo poo on and like, maybe we'll return to that in the future. But as it stands right now with this meta, it still kind of works for them. And even then the blueprint that maybe they laid in the priest, the, the pre stage, if you want to call it that, um, you know, maybe he's hinting at some of the scrim bucks that were coming out about how good this team was doing. Maybe there's some residual carryover because this team doesn't look bad. I like how proactive they are. I like how how quickly Assassin is kind of melded in and they're they're a cohesive unit. I can't say that for a lot of teams. It's weird how good Justice are right now. I, I'm going to say it. Can I can I add in that it's like people probably have like a weirdly negative view on Assassin. Mm -hmm. because of all the whole sombra shenanigan yeah, shenanigans yeah, from last sure, year sure, yeah. and that kind of reputation is just carried over to this year even though he's not even playing sombra no no one in their right mind is playing sombra sorry london um yeah. and um right. you know the guy is playing genji people are like oh my god i can't believe he's a good genji it's like dude that's his he's actual role of his actual yes. hero that's his yeah. actual hero. His, I'm sorry, he's not a Sombra main. You stop mm -hmm. looking at him from the perspective of a Sombra main. He's actually normally like a Genji flex DPS projectile main. This is these. He's now finally getting to play his actual heroes. So. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna up the ante there for a second. Shout out to Houston, but I'm gonna go a step farther. And I think if they had Kalios last year, whom if people remember, and hopefully my history. It, it was a it was a really shitty joke. Don't think too hard on it. Um, oh right, sorry. I <laughs> no, you're good. I misunderstood. Misunderstood. The I think maybe the the zeitgeist of the public view, like the 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 collective view of Assassin, is probably a whole lot different if Kalios is your starting tank. I really do think that kid has like a a special. And I'm going to attribute this with with very little evidence outside of maybe that couple weeks with New York that they seemed very much revitalized and this kind of revitalization with with I mean, I don't know if it's fair to say a revitalization, but um, I, I do think that he brings a lot of like calling structure. If I had to place place a bet on it, I think he does bring some calling structure. I think this team is seeing kind of a, a breath of fresh air. Um, weirdly enough, again, for those who are shrewd, I'd go back and listen to avril's uh, discussion about the justice um and, and all that stuff and maybe what could have happened or what was going on but i think this team's on the mend Dropped, weirdly enough drop some legitimate never before publicly heard of juice last podcast no one gave a fuck <laughs> now you're gonna get a bunch of people like what was the juice wait i wasn't here last week what was the juice sorry you're gonna have to go back to the gotta previous have to go back and, and look <laughs> i i i'm like i I don't want to sound like a, a a pompous asshole, but I think if you if you put on your thinking caps, if you want to play Sherlock for a moment, I don't think it's too hard to find if you're like really looking. Mm. Um, but now that that's resolved and the medic still kind of fits them again, Decay's not a bad player. And I think we saw that still 
Like he's he's weirdly Marshall. good. He can he's super Marshall. flexible. He can play all these different things. The fact that he mm. was playing flex, he can come over to hit scan. He's still playing well. Assassin, you know, it's a saving grace for them that this meta still fits what they have because Kalios, I don't think is terrible. I think like coaching wise, they're again very cohesive. So I would attribute that to like a solid game plan at the very least. It's it's a it's a it's a miracle that. It's going as well as it is. I'll say that, and I and I really think. That, However, yeah, get finish, finish, but I'm going to pose a point to you. No, I, I I think that as it stands right now for the summer showdown, I think Justice are not going to be a write-off team. I really do believe that they're going to be a threat. I now to to really play devil's advocate, I have to pose sure. something towards you. Mm-hmm. How much of this is due to the fact that it's against Florida? And people will use like, yeah, but you just yeah. beat Florida, you know, excuse. True, well, of course. You could either see it as an excuse or like a justification, but in either case, like how do you how how you respond to that? Given like, okay, let's praise Washington, but let's yes. also contextualize the win. Maybe, maybe it's not without I, to 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 directly like kind of handle that point. I think it's with reason, right? I think I think it's a rational take to go. Okay, well, it was just Florida, but this again. I don't want to harp on match scores a little bit too much, but like it was pretty decisive. It was pretty clean. And like, if you go through with a fine tooth comb through like a considerable amount of overwatch, I, I see very direct proactivity. A lot like this, this feels like game script to them. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, not methodical to like a Dallas level whom I think is probably the NA leader at the moment. I, I attribute like high proactivity rates to like success and like skill. And like mm-hmm. mastery of what's going on. And I see that from justice. Is it a little bit messier? 100% it is. But like, that's something that I can't say about Florida. That's something I can't say about most of these teams. There are a lot, right. there's, there's very slow neutral states that I don't see from the justice. They're like very willing. They're almost like Vancouver 2019-esque of just like run it down. We'll, we'll play for the mid fight and like, we'll figure it out. But as long as we're like all pushing together, like, you know, the, the adage of like the five dumb fingers makes one strong fist like it works. <laughs> and like, I think it's working for the justice in a, in a very miraculous way. I think it's beautiful. I think it's great. Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't I'm I'm concerned for way, maybe some of their opponents. Can I? Uh, well, I think you just got a take coming in. I'm just going to very quickly contextualize and respond to and answer my own devil's advocate in terms of how I was respond to that kind of criticism. And again, maybe it's slightly justified, but at the same time, here's a level of revisionism people are coming into this as well, because um, on one hand, people will say like, yeah, well, you know, Washington, they're only ninth. Of course, they're worse than Florida. Florida is definitely a better team than Washington. And then those perhaps same people, I don't know if it is the same people, but for the sake of the straw man that I'm going to be putting up there that I'm about to light up a fire uh, for my personal straw man, I'm going to say it is the same people. They are now coming back and saying, yeah, but like, well, if they only beat Florida, Florida's not a very good team. Which one is it? Is Florida a good team yeah. that the Washington Justice is supposed to lose to? Or are they not a good team that the Washington Justice should be beating? Like, it can't be both. So fucking pick one. Because mm. before this, you were, people were saying that, like, well, Washington's clearly dog shit. So Florida's like a great middle tier team and Washington's low tier, right? That's what, that's yeah. the, the general fan view. And now people being revisionist and flipping the script saying, no, 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 Florida are the bad team and Justice the good team. It's like, that's not what you were saying a fucking two weeks ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You didn't say that two weeks ago, motherfucker. You've changed your, you've 180 your view. Which one is it? And there's my straw man now on fire. Thank you. Burning man. 2022. <laughs> yeah. Several. I feel Stage like we, we, you know, this is one of the, the beauties of the situation. 
where I feel like I, for the longest time, have been on this hill that, like, the meta is a gamble and you ha just have to play your odds. There's an article I wrote in 2019 on the fucking topic. Um, and... Link in the description below. Was it, was no. it Don't no, Marry the Meta? Which one was it? No, it's... Um, because there are some evergreen it, ones. It is called yeah. The Meta is a Gamble. Why don't you play the odds? Ah, okay. okay. And then basically, maybe we co created the thought at the same time, or Rod Monty read my piece and like then said publicly, like, yeah, maybe the Outlaws should be playing something else than Meta, you know? Mm -hmm. um, the GOATS discussion. But yeah, that was, that was like always my thing. Yeah. But it's, it's also a slightly different tinge of this to understand. It's. The meta, the strongest meta composition will determine the winner very often oh, for in sure. the Overwatch yeah, League. Of course. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, once again, we're in probability distributions. Like, it's very possible that for the majority of metas, Gladiators are the best team in the league. Probably. They have the greatest flexibility. Yeah. But and the greatest peaks on that flexibility as well. So it's equally sense. possible that it, this best team in most metas is just mid in this particular meta. Sure. Right? And that looks like the case, and to be honest. You, you, I know people hate this because it feels so... Su like such a lack of agency that you can be mm -hmm. one of the most, most well-prepared teams in the league... And then when it push comes to shove, like there are certain metas which you can't cover. Also, like, I mean, okay, this is, I I remember having a discussion with like you and Kenobi about this, about what about the justice, about them hitting their meta. Yeah, I feel like that point, maybe not to the nth degree, but to a large degree, has now been proven that they hit their meta now. Now they actually, despite like eating shit for for breakfast for the last yes. four weeks, are a pretty good team. 100%. I think when you come into the stage and you go very close with the shock and, you know, you you suffer a, a hefty blow losing some stars, some real firepower, some talent that you were kind of banking on, I don't know if I'd necessarily say that they were playing for the meta, you know, coming into week two of the Summer Showdown or week 16, if you're looking at the, the season schedule as a whole. But... They certainly have gambled and won, right? Like, this has worked out in their favor, I think, more than people understand. Again, referencing maybe some of the moves may have been actually beneficial for them. I, I, I'm going to really lean into that because I've been very consistent that this team has needed to make moves in the past and hasn't. And now that they have, they actually might perform a little bit more consistently. Um, and yeah, I I agree that you probably should be gambling in, in very controlled and smart ways. Um, it, it's just surprising to me, at least that after getting, you know, gut checked, uh, justice is still taking a team maybe of their tier or caliber and convincingly, you know, sending them packing. That's, that's impressive to me. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about where the players. Well, we took, we we said where the players have went. Yeah. So let's talk about how that's been going so far. Uh, probably 
what is on everyone's lips right now that they want to hear is the LA Gladiators mm-hmm. happy. Uh, would we all agree that Happy on Glads is probably an upgrade? First and foremost. Oh, yeah. 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 I would say so. So, given that, it hasn't really results wise shifted the needle for Glads just yet. Now, mm. given Happy has only just joined the team, so maybe, I don't know if there's teething issues there yet, if there's any of that to go over. Uh, but Gladys have had a pretty rough stage so far. Uh, Patapan can't play due to an injury. Arn's apparently no good on the Sojin, so much so that Shu has to play the Sojin. Uh, now you finally got Happy that plays it all. But the players so far that have been offloaded from the Justice have not performed, well, they, their teams have not performed well, whereas the Justice just got a win. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, uh, like eyes on Vigilante and in rain and future games i think they actually did win their game versus paris i think it would have been funny if rain also lost to paris you're like see <sighs> see they were justice the problem all along justice offloaded the dead weight now they're a good team because they finally <laughs> got rid of the dead weight on the team see no uh, and i have a i have like a nine thousand iq theory as well i got my tinfoil hat on for this one uh the yeah. real strategy here supreme is actually a bond villain what he's done <laughs> is he's implanted sleeper cell agents on these other three na teams mm. to destroy them internally and now, uh, and this is if Atlanta did actually lose to Paris, Atlanta, Boston, and Gladiators are all shitty, and Washington Justice can just overtake them now because, uh, you know, Supreme has activated his sleeper agents within these teams to sabotage them. It's very, he, it's very smart. He's actually he genius. It, it, it wasn't necessarily the fact that they, that, you know, the internal strife couldn't be solved by the MK Ultra project. It was so yeah. that they could release their agents to disrupt the yeah. entire league and thus yeah. the Justice well, Climb. Yeah, offload, I'm offload with you, your, Avril. All right. Offload your, offload your internal strife to the other teams. Yeah. Spread the corruption. I like it. I'm here for it. All right. I'm, I'm liking where this is going. <laughs> Sorry, there's just a black van that pulled up. I got to go. Sorry. There, there's like men in. It's really strange. Them. Anyhow, men with uh, white, red, and blue shields coming to get you. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so what is happening in the Gladiators? They're losing. They're, They're losing. Yiska just put out a, I will say tweet. I was going to say report. I will just say a tweet. You can say it's a report if you want. A tweet that says that there's still something like a 55% chance Glides make it despite being 0-4 down. That's pretty wild. It's, it does require them that, to be... Yes. Assuming yeah, there's that a lot that needs to go right. Assuming that certain things happen for them yeah 55 sounds too high that it shouldn't be that high surely like or, if or they, am i not understanding if, okay so the the proposition is mm-hmm. so basically like rd ran the model first saying based on the results this week um what are the uh, sorry this stage what are the chances that the gladiators actually make it and the first mm-hmm. model was like 12 percent and then I said, well, okay, that's interesting, but, you know, the, the gladiators are sort of, like, lowballed there. So, um, what if the gladiators actually win both of their matches and they are assumed to lose against ATL? And I think there's also, with the speed league coming in, there's a good prop- uh, idea that this happens. But um, there is... If, if we assume that the gladiators just do it by themselves and I just like you know put my Preds head on and said like 3-0 Paris 3-1 Atlanta I think that's pretty conservative Mm. Um, what happens if that happens and the the numbers bear out that 
in 55% of the cases, they qualify. In 44% of the places, they do so in 8th place. They even have a 10% chance to get 7th. So, huh. And this is based on the ELO created on maps this stage. Okay. Gotcha. Um, there's, of course, a ton of... like the, the funny way is how this stage works out is that there's a ton of... I, I call them seesaw matches. I'm not sure if there's a... They're basically like... Swing if, matches? If one team goes up, the other goes down, and they're in mm, direct okay. competition with the gladiators. So, right, right, right. like, if, if, for instance, if Spitfire or Atlanta loses, it's not that bad for the gladiators, right? Mm-hmm. Or, like, there are other teams. I think it's Titans, maybe, that's playing another team where it's like, if either of those loses, that's fine for the gladiators, right? Like, right. one of those teams will be above them, one of them, those teams will be below them, and like they don't have to care that much and that's why that's how a lot of these matches have shaken out and that's why what created these um the situation where yes if gladiators win their matches half the time they make it in wow takes all that to stop the gladiators huh even after going 0-4, they're still not... They just can't extinguish them. They're still in it. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to try to appeal to all the uh, the fatigued Andes out there. The, the people who are like, Wah! Team shouldn't win twice in a row. Ugh, it's boring. I don't know if I want to see the Glads at Summer Showdown. I'm not like I would like to. I wouldn't mind seeing them there. And look, at the end of the day, if they are good enough to make, it would be the most crazy organizational comeback. Yes, if they beat the last two teams that they need, somehow make it in via mathematics, and then somehow just make the run as the eighth seed. Yes. Oh boy! Like I don't. Does that not feel like an ATL run? If that screams like just forget about the playoffs and just uh, give them the trophy now, like. Like you literally are just the best team if you can do that. Some I don't know. ironclad I, mentals. I, I was going to mention that. Like this, that aside, let's talk about the four games that have happened. Yeah. Um. Am I wild that my copium says that the losses weren't that bad? Okay, the Houston one might have been Houston's a bit bad, but Dallas a is one of the tough to. Dallas is I, yeah, one of the best teams in this meta currently. Not mad at Shocker, that. one of the best teams in this meta Not currently. Mad at that either. Toronto's on a huge upswing. You could argue they're playing good. Loss. Yeah, but Toronto's on a huge upswing. I, I don't think it's wild to think yes. that losing Toronto is that bad. Yeah, Houston is a little bit bad. I I think that if you play that game again today, Glad's actually beat Houston. Yeah. Uh, but obviously Houston yeah. has some issues that they're dealing with. So mm-hmm. that's the only outlier. The only loss that I feel like was an outlier is the Glad's Houston game. Aside yep. from that, it is still game five. To be fair, I still think I still think you know Glad's maybe should have won three instead of oh four. Yeah, they're still struggling, but they they're losing to teams that are just like legitimately so damn strong in this meta. To which I think I mm-hmm. I already know what the response is. The response is, well, aren't Glads meant to be good in this meta? Didn't people say funny after skewed was going to be the best and all that kind of all that kind of jazz? And while I think that's true, and they yeah. are really good at their roles, can I also put out the the statement, uh, the take, and the opinion that I don't think supports are that impactful in this meta? I know that's going to trigger some people. Like, what do you mean? Breaking uh, loose, you're doing yeah, things. It's like yeah. in comparison to previous metas, in comparison to previous yeah. metas where you've had double flex support, which does a lot, 
Uh, mm-hmm. the, the the more flex supports you have on your team, the higher impact the supports are. This isn't even just coming from me, by the way. Leave in an interview said this as well, that he feels like supports are very weak right now in terms of, not weak in terms of the hero balance, obviously fucking strong. They're yeah. weak in terms of their individual impact on swinging fights and doing all that. And before people get mm-hmm. upset, like, yeah, but Rally and Soundberry are good. It's like, yes, I don't, I'm not saying they're not, but I'm saying like in comparison to other metas, supports yes. are less impactful in this meta compared to other metas and because of that having impact. a funny asher and skewed having yes. funny asher and skewed like that's not Doesn't the difference maker much. currently yeah right i think the difference maker uh and i know this sounds incredibly general but when you look at this meta and you look at other metas that kind of mimic the way that this plays not gonna say the g word um I think it's about cohesion, the the G word goats, you know, like all these death ball archetypical metas. I think the idea is that you don't necessarily need all stars. I think this meta amongst a lot of them probably lends itself to allowing as many all stars to have as much individual impact as you can. But like the difference that that makes for you is so much lower in these metas in comparison to something like you know, an attribute. Like if we're if we're gonna roll D and D stats, like I want cohesion, I want teamwork, I want like good comms. I don't need like a cracked brig. I don't need a I don't need crazy Reddit Lucio man, right? Like I don't those aren't the players that are necessarily going to move the needle. What moves the needle is like making sure we have good resource usage, making sure we're like alt tracking, making sure we're just like moving together, which is like really basic shit that like still is not necessarily happening so it's yes you probably want like a good genji yes but i mean credit to london but i don't know that's magical to me um you yeah you probably want a good hit scan you want like somebody like hisu but i'm struggling with him too like there are roles that you want impact players for but like they're smaller in death ball metas in my in my opinion so it's it's yeah, maybe supports aren't necessarily um, the, the 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 keys for this metagame. And I think like coming into this, it was as good of a read as anybody was going to have. It's like, OK, we see what's being played, who has the pieces to play it, not necessarily the pieces to understand it. That's something you're going to know week one. And like, boy, how did we figure it out week one when the glads go? Oh, two. It's like, oh, shit. They don't know what's going on. They don't they have the keys to the castle, but they don't know how to they don't know what to do with a castle. Right. They don't know how to drive the car. They don't know. They're 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 baking at a carpentry competition. They don't know what the fuck's happening. So it's it, it's I think we're we're starting to catch up to the idea that there was a big experience reset when it comes to to junker goats. I said it. I, I mean, it's, is, is it experience reset or is it just, you know, different match selection? help me understand what that means okay so yeah i'm i keep doing that i <laughs> like i have this i have this this thing where i read like a a word like match selection in in like you know another more abstract context and then i just yeah. like see it in my Apply world it. and just like yeah. like to slap the label on it but it's a useful term to, that i guess like this is, Jessica, explain this, I'm I'm just sitting here sometimes going like I'm literally watching people play video games. I gotta derive more meaning from this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, like, yes. <laughs> like I have four thousand weeks in life. I have about half of those left. Like mm-hmm. 
is is esports the thing that I spent my finite time on? Yes, because I learned about match selection, and you will learn match selection from Uncle Yiska too. So the basic idea is is like, yes, you can become much better at things, and like improve, but that's only one way to improve your outlook on things, right? A much better way is to match select, meaning, like, for instance, switch between jobs and see what you like and what you have a talent for, right? And start at a higher baseline and therefore also have a higher cap as to where you could go. Now, match selection in terms of the, the meta situation is like, maybe you just play what you're good at and maybe you're good enough to just make that meta. Dallas does this all the time, dude. Yes. Like, because they have to. I feel like I feel like you know the flexibility of gladiators is kind of putting the bin as well in a meta like this, and we got to get maybe a little bit uh, more into detail. We're not gonna get, we're not gonna get into the real trunk of the jokes discussion yet because we're still talking about teams. So in relation yeah, yeah. to the gladiators, part of their biggest strength is applying the the sort of depth of their roster to the meta, which in the previous meta, Mitzi's Madness, meant that you had map specific strategies where Arns would come in on the Widowmaker mm -hmm. players versus heroes, and people can do their things, and you know. Uh, even times when space actually had game time to play Sigma on yeah. the Circuit Royale map. Like, that's all gone now. Um, so when Glads are a team that get forced into a homogenous meta, it, it in some ways kind of, like, hurts them as well, given that, you know, they don't get to really play to one of the biggest team strengths, which is to be able to widely play counterpicks. Because here's the other thing that people don't understand, is that um, they have wild ability, and this was true last year as well, to enable counterpick compositions to put their opponents into difficult positions uh, in terms of choosing compositions to play because they have the uh, they have the roster depth and the flexibility uh, of those members to play literally any meta any sort of comp composition all up including double main support they're probably one of the only teams that are actually prepared to play both double main support and double flex support right which is a wild thing to have um, and they don't even need four four support players to do that. They can do that on three, which is so insane. Um, and all sorts of projectile hit scans, different tanks. Like even you know you, you you having space as a backup option for particular off tank metas is a ridiculous thing to have. Yeah. Um, but all of that's kind of gone for gladiators, and they're just kind of forced into this one composition where like if a, if a player isn't working out, maybe Reiner. I, I think statistically he you are starting to see that he's not quite keeping up. With some of the the big boys out there, um, mm -hmm. and we can talk about his rookie of the year prospects and all that. Um, it, you know, maybe not in this particular discussion, but it's like, yeah, uh, you don't you don't get to do too much with that. And people say, well, why don't you just play space? I think it's like, I don't know, maybe they can, maybe he'll, maybe space will come out this week. I don't even know that it's specifically Ryan's fault. It could be like a com it's, yeah, it's a combination it of things. It's a combination of things plus like losing own four means your stats do get shit on a little bit. Yeah. Um. My biggest argument for Glad's Copium is that I don't think it's that bad, and I don't think the teams they lost to is that ridiculous. I think we're just in a different expectation, in a different framework of expectation, where, like, because they've won two tournaments back-to-back -back now... Mm -hmm. um, you kind of assume that they would you, be... You're, 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 and because everyone's put them number one in power rankings for good reason, yeah. everyone's expectation is like, well, if they're not thrashing everybody and just beating everybody as the best team in the world, then what is Gladiators? So, you know, people people probably expect them to beat Dallas and Shock and Toronto and probably especially Houston. 
but yeah. here we are. I don't know. I think it's like it's not like they got 0-3 by somebody. It's not like they're being 3-0 speed ran like Washington yeah, no. did to Florida, right? That didn't happen. A lot of game fives, a lot of close maps. Like they're they're competitive. I think they're there is just like a a roughness to them that I think is new for for this season. And I think it's just shifting expectations. I, I agree with you. I don't think it's like you know, doomsday for them for the entire season. I think they can easily bounce. <laughs> well, back. you should see the Glads fans right now because they're acting like the season's over. They're acting, I like, mean, they're about, yeah. they're acting like they're about to not make playoffs or something like that. Yeah, no. I mean, uh, I think they're already locked, no? Like, I think mathematically they're locked. Maybe Eric can correct me in our chat, but I'm pretty sure they are. I am not 100% on that, but um, maybe they are mathematically locked. Yeah, they have 17 points. It's pretty hard to drop down it's below nuts. that. Yeah. yeah, regular season record's not great, but winning two tournaments does give you a fuck ton mm -hmm. of points. Yes. Uh, okay. Let's move on to Boston. Let's speed through a little bit of this as well. Uh, Boston yeah. Mag. Two conversations to go here. Mm -hmm. One is that Boston Mag upgrade, good for the team, and the other part of the conversation is, my God, they're doing my my dude punk dirty again. Boston keep doing punk dirty. What is going on? <laughs> I, I'm going to go out on that latter point and I'm going to say that <laughs> this may be a little weird, but I hope a team like the Houston Outlaws makes a play for Punk in the offseason because he is proven time after time after time after. Let me check my time. Uh, check your watch. He, this kid is a starter. He should be starting in this league. He is a talent and should be playing. Yep. It's it's a. I'm not mad at Boston because, again, like I kind of always assumed that this was probably a card that they were going to play, that if there was ever a world where they could just play a fully Korean roster, they would. Um, and again, Laurie effect. On, it, Laurie, it really Laurie's does like dream it. to feel the full Korean roster in the Boston. And I uprising. can't blame them. I don't blame them. But like the collateral damage of like not seeing somebody like Punk who started this, you started the stage looking quite good not start for another Overwatch League franchise, I think is, I think we're missing out. And I think somebody like needs to get that kid and like use the talent that he like rightful, like pay this man to play. Like it also, it playing. also screws Crimzo out of the roster. It's cause it's like, true. Yeah. Well, you know, there's no point just having one white dude there. Let's make it full Korean. Yeah. Um, and Laurie's like, finally my dream team. Uh, no, <laughs> and I can't no English blame on them. Team. Love it. It's, 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 it sucks that like, that was probably always like bound to happen, but I and I don't blame the coaching staff for um, franchise to do it. But yeah, it's, it's let's answer the mag question first because I know we want to bite into the punk, but I'm I'm afraid we're not. We're going to skip over the mag stuff. We don't yeah. get into it. Um, the most baity question would be: Is mag an upgrade over punk? And I think that's just too hard to answer. Yeah, because it's to like right now. because just, I think punk adds something of value to the team that's not just a hundred percent his own mechanics as a player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but let's be clear that I think you know I think most people would agree that Mag is pretty decent in this meta that he should oh, be sure. a good enough player individually. Mm -hmm. Um, who did Boston play Boston and lose to again? Shock got they beat Atlanta, which was good, but then they got O three yeah. to London, O yeah. three by Shock, and then one three by Dallas. So unfortunately, they are also a team that has to play two of the best teams in this meta back to back in yeah. Shock and Dallas. Now, given I don't think that's the craziest thing in the world. I think no. the Boston loss to London is a little bit more wild. And correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. but did Punk not play that game versus London? 
I am gonna check. He must have because check. Mag was in the game versus yeah. Shock the day before, so Mag wasn't on Boston yet. Yeah, I yeah. don't think he was even on there. Yeah, had to so Punk, been. so Punk. Punk was still there versus the London yeah. game. So yep, yep. that's the game that I think is more concerning rather than the the Shock Dallas games where I'm like, you're literally playing mm-hmm. against one your choice teams. between number one and number yeah. two currently yeah. in this meta. I, I think in that same way, I think there are some expectations to be set and match with London. I still think it's crazy that they're performing as well as they are. If you if you subscribe to the idea that like Genji is a very important piece to this puzzle and backbone, like still is finding a way to get it done. And this team is facilitating him in some magical way to get yeah. this kid on like a maybe a top five arguable like team. Credit to you again. Like that's that's some magic work that Chris and, and Co are doing. If I'm saying that the double main supports don't have like insane <laughs> value and insane impact on this meta yeah. compared to other metas, I am also by extension saying that Genji does have an extreme amount of value and impact in this yeah. meta. Yeah, to the right. point where I personally think, I know some people and you know some players and coaches may probably say that the Jungle Queen is like the biggest factor. My read is that I personally believe Genji is the biggest factor. Yeah, uh, which is why I was lo- which is why I was lower London, which is yes. why. I, Rightfully so. Kind of performing is a little bit interesting to me, but mm-hmm. sticking more to the Boston side of the conversation because we still got to talk about Punk and that whole uh, <laughs> nutshell. Um, uh, they both work. Um, I <laughs> I'm just so surprised they went zero and three London because even if London win, yeah, which is not out of the question. Surely not a three zero. No, and it was it was pretty handed. Um, I think for Boston, it's uh, I'm I'm reaching in the memory banks for this game because I believe this was like not a great performance from I believe it was Victoria who was on the sojourn. I don't think he had a great day at the office. I'm still waiting to see where and how seekers being used. I kind of assumed that that's what the, you know, the play was, but after, you know, mag coming in, that's probably no, no, no. not going to happen. Not using seeker. Cause he's never exactly. Why would they so, use seeker? They, Laurie only wants to field the Korean players. Why would they ever use seeker? The, I, again, the idea was like coming into week one. I kind of assumed seeker was coming in. This is before the mag signing. Um, but yeah, it definitely can't happen now. Uh, agreed on that front. So it's, it is a little strange. I think that Mag does give them a boost. I just don't know if we're going to see it in time because you go win to week 17 or week three of the summer showdown. They have to play Toronto, whom I think Avril's rightly pointed out that they're on a surge. They probably are top five in NA. And then they play Vancouver, which could be winnable to round out the stage. Like, I don't even Vancouver's know that it's not we'll... even a gimme. So it's yeah. like, that's, that could be a it's hard tough. game to win. I'll give him to play. Tough. I, I think that this team is going to benefit from like having a single language, having somebody who I still think has like star potential um, in mag. I just don't know that we're going to see it um, within this stage, which kind of sucks. Um, I, I think this is a team like that. I would be willing to put some money on that has like a good play and run and probably ends up making playoffs because of it. We will see. Right, bring up the tweet. Time to dig into the tweet. Zipbunk. Two of them. Zipbunk. Where is Ashton? <laughs> Why am I being bunked? Um, I am bench tagging. Punk has survived Boston benching him for Dragon Eddie, Muffin, Brucin, Gable, Sheep, Marvel. It's all mag. Who are they going to pick up next to take a shot at the king? 
It is wild. It is it is crazy it is how many players Punk has survived against. And before people say like, what do you mean Dragon Eddie? This includes this list from Unter includes people from Uprising Academy as well. Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, they keep trying to they keep trying to bench Punk, but he he keeps on being the better player on the team. I don't know yeah. if he's going to get a chance to show that again given that he doesn't have the angle to prove it through something especially on a new hero like Jungle Queen. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get to prove that in like ranked or anything like that. And he has to convince his team to run him in scrims to compare him to Mag. Yep. Which maybe he can successfully do, it's hard to say. And then there's some extra spice here from Color Hex, an ex-teammate of Punk from Boston Art Prison, who says, watching people talk about Punk and knowing it's barely the tip of the iceberg for what that kid has had to deal with on that team. Obviously can't speak for this year, but the shit that happened last year was fucking disturbing. When will he get the respect he deserves? Uh, of course, Yisker, uh, I'm waiting for the uh, waiting for the the, the, the mm-hmm. article, the tell-all article about what the situation is. No, I have no idea what this is about, but um, yeah, me neither. It does seem like it does seem like Punk doesn't get a fair shake. Yeah, sadly, and I I wonder if it comes down to like the the mantra of like yeah, well the better player is just gonna play, and maybe the better player is who makes the team better, and I don't think that's necessarily his fault that he just doesn't speak Korean. Um, but that doesn't that shouldn't like discount his skill. I think we saw that in week one. He was like, actually like a solid junker queen. I think the amount of time that he's persisted, I think speaks to his caliber of skill. Um, and yeah, I, I genuinely do think there are like teams that should be rebuilding Western in the off season, like per, already Western teams that could be making plays for him in the off season. Like this is a starting piece for overwatch Two, one that you can probably build a franchise around. Um, and be okay with that. Like this is this is a good player that like needs to be starting in the Overwatch League. I, I wholeheartedly believe that at this point. We've seen it on Sigma. We've seen it a little bit of Junker Queen. We've seen it on Diva. Like this kid just persists. And in a game like Overwatch, to persist is to be like bulletproof, in my opinion. That's that's difficult to do. How many careers has anybody heard from Gable Sheen in a while? Just gonna throw that out. Yeah. There. What's up with him? How many how many players have just come he up and to okay? Ocean. It, it it feels like it, right? Like how many players have ended up just returning to the ocean and you still have somebody like Punk. You still have like all of these evergreen players that says something about who they are, that says something about their worth. That I don't know exactly among these attributes that I'm prescribing what that could be, but I think there's an essence of truth in within all of them that like this is somebody special that needs to be playing. Please, somebody help. If it's, not on Boston, kind of then somewhere else. Yes, uh, I, yes. I, I don't know if ESG has anything further to add to that, but we're going to move to Atlanta Yeah, uh, in a hot second. I, I think, uh, y- you know, if Kulush wasn't this good, I think Punk is absolutely like a type of I'm not caliber that. player yeah. that Shock could be good looking at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, horses. I'm not mad at that at all. Eyes emoji. I still think uh, that Houston. I'm, I'm I think Houston. No, I'm not implying there. anything like in that terms because Kalouche is a very good player good. this season, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you yeah, probably yeah. like weirdly good. It's it. It is at best a side grade to get Punk, right? Um, but yeah, like that's still the type of caliber that you have there, right? Like 
Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know, like, do you, do you guys have any trade targets in mind there? Like, I think Soul Dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> they, they seem to be wanting to make some moves. We'll get to that. We'll still get into that. True. Um, I don't know, because I feel like, you know, there, there's probably Western teams that would like someone like that, but yeah. ones that would probably make that kind of move. I like, I don't know, maybe a Paris, but they obviously wouldn't be able to pay him a lot. Yeah. Maybe Florida would go for him if they could dodge the buyout. I don't know. Houston's probably a, like a good shout, given that they, they actually have... Do they? Like, they do and they don't have roster, like, space currently. Um, Rain if Hawk wasn't there. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's yeah. teams that have people in those positions already, sadly. Yeah. Um, I'm looking I'm looking at, like, a team, like, that, like... Needs a facelift. I'm looking at maybe yeah. like a New York. I can tell you actually. Here's the here's the real answer. You just said it. New York when they finally go Western. Yeah, yeah. I think it's inevitable. I think it's like smart. I think it's a good business. Like you could probably get players on the cheap. Um, depending on like what Punk's buyout is. Granted, like I think it's the one thing you probably say about Boston is they they're probably going to make you pay, um, and rightfully so. But um, yeah, I I think they're. I don't know. I don't really care who it is at this point. The kid needs to be playing. I think for for the product's sake, he's he's too good to be sitting on the bench. Mm-hmm. Replace Daisy on Chengdu Hunters. Do that. Yeah, fuck it. At uh, this point, go for it. Okay. Speaking of replacements, Alana Rain are about to get another replacement. Uh, let's talk about Vigilante first, and we talk about the speedily situation as well. True. Let's talk about the fact that Atlanta has been a r- bit of a rough start in this patch. Uh, they did beat yeah. Paris, but I, it's it's it might it's probably expected that they do beat Paris. This was also, by the way, one of Kai's biggest games on Sojourn ever. Mm-hmm. Um, guy came in with a bit of a... He came in for, for blood. He was out for vengeance. Yep. Uh, bit of a tangentially, bit of a rough start for Paris. I think they always knew that was going to be a bit of a rough start. Yeah. I don't think, um, you know, Nero was even very respectful in the interview by saying, you know, they were probably just nervous. He, he expected more from Paris, and I think we all maybe expected a little bit more, but you know, a bunch of contenders players coming in day one. First game, it's, yeah. it's not going to be easy. Nope. Uh, in Atlanta, despite having a slow start, are a team that you can't underestimate or screw around. Nope. Um, but yeah, they, they, they moved Ultraviolet out of the brig position. They moved Vigilante mm-hmm. in. And they won. They did. They did. I think it's one of those games that's going to be tough to like really fine tooth because I, I I do wonder how how much they were tested in a three O against contenders players who again that's their their yeah. actual rookie debut, um, but from what we've seen from Atlanta from week one again getting beaten by Boston whom that's a little rough and then Toronto whom that's not that's you know that's not a, a fair loss like that's a good team versus uh, just gonna say ATL. real quick I predicted both of those you did. losses you did. One hundred percent accurate. I also uh, then predicted them the beating Paris. So apparently, <laughs> I know exactly how Atlanta's going to play. You're living so rent I, free. So I don't don't ask me how they're going to do versus London. I refuse to tell you. That that said, I think you know you bring up Nero, you bring up Speedily. I have to wonder because, and for context, I've been a pretty big Nero apologist in the past. I think the kid is quite talented. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's been particularly the worst good. Emperor. Yeah, I, I think he's been particularly poor. Um, I, I don't think the cohesion is there right now. I'm almost like to a degree. 
that's so suspicious that makes me wonder is is Nero just playing Speedily's role and they've been playing with him in the wings anyways. I I, I genuinely have to wonder that because it is so like uncharacteristic for like some of these mistakes to be happening. It's weird that Atlanta is playing a a archetype or a style that I think they should kind of be suited to almost you have somebody like Kai you have Hawk that's been playing you know death ball-esque metas for I think is almost in his entire career you have Brad who's like kind of coached this style before I, I expected a lot from them and I'm not seeing it so I have to wonder if speedily is not like ha- is not scrimming or like maybe he is scrimming and Nero is just like playing as an interim player. Does he until wildly he move the, the, the needle, though? I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to believe that maybe he does, because, like, I was of the opinion mm-hmm. several months back when Speedly was announced, as like, dude, this yeah. guy's not going to be available for so long. Yeah. I, I don't know if he's really going to change that much for Atlanta, because it's going to take so long to get to him. But now I'm, like, seeing Atlanta's current results, yes. and I'm thinking, shit, maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I think... Even even like day one, you hear Speedley's going to Atlanta can't play until the summer or, or you know, late or early fall. Um, I think you have to. Uh, even even me as a Nero apologist says like, yeah, that's probably like an improvement. And like you're saying, because of like the skill level that they are at now or the level that they're at now, this I would assume probably is going to like be the breath of fresh air at the very least at least they have like another threat to worry about because it didn't feel like nero was getting the same impact on genji that like some of these top performers are and and i guess if you're gonna look at london maybe you don't need to have a top genji but i that i still is magical to me so i think atl is on the mend but I think cautiously so. I think, you know, they go into week three versus London and then Washington. Like, those are not easy games. So if Speedily can come out and actually, like, play to the to the expectations that I think a lot of people have set for him, um, we're in for some good games. Because I don't think Washington is a sleeper team and it seems like London's still playing playing strong. They're, they're still chugging along mm-hmm. somehow, magically. Credit to them. But I... I it begs belief at this point. So there, it's it's a it's still not an easy schedule. It's an easier Let's schedule. Go. But before we move on to other teams, any thoughts on Atlanta? You're a bit of a speedily guy. A speedily apologist. The speedsters. I don't know if he's muted. He might be muted. No. Oh. Okay. Contemplating just, I, so stuff. I just see your head in your hands, and you know, I, I didn't yeah, realize. true. Yeah, I'll I'll <laughs> I'll bend my camera into shape for the next podcast. Pinky promise. You're good. You're good. I'm only decent. Um, yeah. So I talked to some other coaches. Oh, he's talking. Boy, be talking about speedily, and they uh-huh. generally expect this kid to hit the ground running pretty early. Now, this is not. Like, I have to explicitly say this is not, you know, born out of seeing speedily in scrims. Mm. Um, That also doesn't necessarily mean that he will be starting. I think that's also not a given. But generally speaking, like, this is a Genji meta, and this this guy is known for two heroes, right? 
Echo and Genji. It's Echo and Genji. No, Echo looks. Oh, I was gonna add the Doom in there as well, but oh, yeah, true. We'll right. stop it that's too. fair. We'll stop that's it too. that's a good three. Right. Yeah. Now, you don't play Doom here. No. <laughs> like Wait, green, what? Green Bar Lady but made Atlanta sure of that. Love Doom. Green yeah. Bar Lady, the Shmoney meta. Yeah. <laughs> Shmoney. Yeah, a lot Shmoney of comp. Uh, Let's go. A lot of uh, Overwatch League teams have started calling um, the Drunker Queen comp Shmoney because it turns Shmoney the health bugs green. Like Shmoney. Fucking Zoomers, man. Um, what are you gonna do? But yeah, but, like long story short, um, I think that would be an interesting modifier. I think it also changes so much about this week. Like Atlanta has yeah. not been great so far, but like if this actually turns their luck around, this really fucks with the outcome and like going forward into summer showdown. Like this kid might single-handedly decide who sits on a plane to Toronto <laughs> in two weeks' time. Like, I'm, I'm excited because I think this is, this is also an, another thing that like, I've been thinking about. Like, the star building of, out of contenders, if you don't have like, an Avril-like hype man, it's, yeah. it's not, it's, it's could, it could be better. Let's say this, right? And Speedily absolutely is one of those talents that should be hyped, right? Yep. And unfortunately, I haven't seen a, a subreddit post so far, for instance, or any but one going wild on Twitter uh, about that. So I think, I think this is a huge... I think when the signing happened, I, I can probably assume two people had, had made some stirring, but it's tough to continue like the 36 days until speedily turns 18 and right, but like, on all your favorite really players. The week, right? Like, I know, I know, I know. He gets, it's tough. He, he turns 18 on the day he plays London, I think. Mm -hmm. That's the first match, uh, I believe. Um, and he'll play, right? Like, uh, is yeah. He, he's going to be there? I would probably I mean, I, 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 okay, that that I don't know. Um, I I would assume so, just based on the meta. I think, like, yeah. like if it was a May meta, I think that's where I go Nero. Sure, maybe Nero. Um, but, like, for... I mean, you're never going Nero for Echo over Speedily. Nope. I think that that's also not something, not anything that says anything about Nero. Like, Speedily might genuinely be the best Echo in the game. Yes. I, I think we've anecdotally had people from like contenders in collegiate, like, third hand tell us that players have like compared him to Alpha Yi and said maybe he's even better. And like, that says Speedily something. to Alpha Yi. Yeah. Yes. Which is crazy. Right. Now that I'm going to have to see to believe. I'll stay open-minded about it. We'll say that. The thing is, like, this is this is the type of rookie that we should be talking about. Like, mm -hmm. the, the, once again, like, Mister and Mrs. Uh, Speedily Junior, uh, Senior, like, you fucked up. <laughs> you, 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 you had your baby too late. It's too late. <laughs> this this man, young man is never going Should've to get a rookie of the year. <laughs> It's and, and that's I feel like we need to have like a meta discussion about that because it, I, there's so many players to, that, that falls falls like crime to, to save like. Speedly's ability to get rookie of the year over he sang next year. You need to not debut him right now and allow yeah, him to only yeah. come in next year. Honestly, allow God. him to compete. Well, I think that even in that case, as long as you signed the Overwatch League, unfortunately recognizes you no longer a rookie next year. Yeah, sadly. That's really because I think Shy was signed early, but he didn't. Yeah, as long as you're not 
playing? Ah, that's a good know. question. I, don't I actually know. don't know. I actually have no idea. Yeah. That's, that's oh my question. god, I have the perfect metaphor, but like it's very perverted. Shocking. Right, that well, does not surprise me about you, but keep that one into the DMs. Okay. I know, right. I know the, Germans do like to do that right, kind of stuff. So. Right. Like I'll I'll write it out. The viewers will be able to enjoy Joe's face going like, Why are you like this? Like he usually yep. does. And you'll write it out and I'll I'll decide if it's uh if right. it's suitable for, for our broadcast. Or is it is it T V M A? This be on HBO in the in the nineties. Too much expectation now. Now I'm expecting yeah. it to be too good. It's. I mean, I'm yes, afraid it's just not it won't live up to. It's probably not going to live up to the uh, expectations of what I have in my mind. He's a closet zoomer. He he like hates what he's become. <sighs> yeah, it's not that funny, guys. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say really that one is not gonna come onto the broadcast. I'm not gonna put that one on the broadcast. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, oh. That one stays in the DMs. That one stays in the drafts. Yiska. That one does right. not. You do not hit submit on that well, one for, I, for, the, yeah, for the public. Like what can I do against you know puritanical Americans or, or <laughs> right. impact for the, the audience that are listening? You didn't miss out on much. You don't, didn't don't, miss much. Yeah. Don't be too upset. You didn't. You really did not miss out. No, that. Uh, I think I've fucked up on the language as well. I think there's something there. I just don't have the brain power. Yeah. To if you wrote, if you wrote this in German for me, it'd be better. It'd be funnier. Um, <laughs> okay, let's talk about. Are we ready to move on to Houston yet? Let's get to Houston. The Houston use. That's Houston juice. My goodness. My Houston's loose. All right. So when's Pelican leaving? Apparently Halo was right all along. So when's Pelican leaving, huh? <laughs> Why would he be leaving? Because Houston leaving. are trying to get rid of Pelican, Iris, and and uh, and Piggy. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to start calling him Iris again. Fuck it. Good old Iris. This this was a weird one, and we I I've had to like reflect this off of Yiska for a second. So I'm I'm before the show rather, and I'm glad that I'm not crazy. But I I looked at this trade and I was very like perplexed, and not like in a bad way. But I was like, huh, like what? what I'm trying trade. to read. Say what read. the trade was. So it was for it was Iris for creative. It was a a flex support on a team without an abundance of resources. For a team with an abundance of resources that has multiple flex supports, um, a, you know, Iris, who's who I feel like and maybe I'm wrong in saying this um, kind of was. Raised within the N.A. contender system, played with some mixed rosters, has been successful with mixed rosters and is going to a fully Korean team, obviously not crazy, but like it's interesting. And then a, a mixed roster is getting a player who has never played in a in, in that kind of environment. Um, it, it, it's hard to kind of tell what this means, you know, in, in between lines, kind of reading the, the intentions of both teams. It's, it's very bizarre. But when like Yiska kind of alluded to at the start of the show, um, when you see somebody like profit playing brig and you see like some of these, these roster decisions, it starts to make a little bit more sense that maybe not everything was, you know, peachy keen in, in each of the camps. So maybe the trade was just like a mutual, you know, like let's just shuffle it up. Let's see what the market says. And I mean, this one needed to happen. I like my my point was also more so like because how the trade line works, like mm -hmm. they had to do the trade fully knowing yeah. that for the next play dates, especially Soul because they don't have another flex support, someone else yeah. would have to pick up the slack while um, while uh, Iris 
goes back to Korea, and presumably yeah. there's some travel time there, right? And ideally, you would have had that trade done way before, but because like the the trade deadline actually facilitated the you know immediacy to that, it came down a little bit closer, right? Um, so they couldn't have him over, presumably yet. Um, what I will say is, okay. They, okay, and here, like, tell me if I'm far off. To me, creative, mostly an Anna one trick. Um, and that's not to say that creative can't play other heroes. It's more like it's very oh. clearly much better let's, on let's, Anna. Let's, let's be a bit careful, because last year we all called Iris the BAP one trick. Yeah, right. And... Well, <clears throat> that, that would be my second point. That was point. true at the time. Yes. Yeah, that would be my second point. I feel like Iris has shown that he's a more complete player. It's not just a bad one trick. Uh, I I think like you if if you knew how this player plays, you look at Lastro playing uh, Brig. You already should be suspecting that something is up there because like Iris should have played that Brig role if he was uh, available at the time. So yeah, I think. I mean, definitely an upgrade from me for the dynasty, and for Houston, it's kind of interesting because I, I mean, let, let's let's also be honest. Like inserting two European players on ping in, in that situation at this point in time is is yeah. a is a real strange one. That once again, so one European, right? I'm uh, wait, Lebendosh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Lip is in, is is in America, is it? I thought only Doge was European. Oh, you might be right. That actually sounds like it checks out. Mm, yeah, I would have to either case. Either right. case. Either way. Um, but yeah, the the point being, like, there's there there are circumstances probably behind the scenes where uh, this this makes more sense than it does to mm -hmm. us from the outside. Yeah. And I mean, creative is still like we we all realize like during some parts of the season creative was actually pretty sweet and also last yeah. season i would say right quite good so i mean what i'm i'm i feel like iris is probably a better player um i feel like if you have another flex support already then someone uh, and also someone that doesn't necessarily like has you know the anna as the the their strength mm. um i think that pickup also makes sense so there's some there's some outside explanation to this move it's still a little bit of a weird one for sure yeah. it's got to be more behind the scenes i i can't imagine i i imagine this was the only successful offload from the whole like houston exploring options for pelican mm -hmm. piggy heiress and their their and then and then Saul's like oh Perked up the ears, like we could be interested in a flexible trade. Yeah, um, I guess this is one piece of information I can offer up. And once again, like this is this is something. If if I knew it for sure, it would be a report, not me saying it on Crouch, just you know, yeah, verbally bullshitting. But like from what I know, Iris had always pretty high and competitive s salaries, so. Um, I'm not sure what's what's up with uh, creative, and if they even like traded for money as well, or like if everyone signed a new contract or what it is. 
But like one possible aspect in all player for player trades is also just like bankroll management. It's right. also mm -hmm. very possible that sometimes this comes to play. Like I know like sometimes I, I like I say this thing, uh, things like this, knowing that I'm pointing towards the truth. This is not this case. This is just like me explaining like this is a possible avenue which could absolutely not be anything true about it, you know? Yeah, I, I you can't ignore the fact that this could just be a money thing, but yeah. <sighs> also, I mean, Pelicans probably their most expensive player as well. It's just like well, that's the one guy that him, yeah. they they couldn't. But then again, if they were really trying to offload members, they wouldn't have. Because then there was also reporting that like you know Pelican was was obviously going for a lot to no one's surprise. Yeah, no one wants to pay that rent. I don't know. It's yeah. Let me Pelican can't be traded now because he's 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 played past the deadline, so he's officially unable to be traded. Yeah. Let me let me throw this additional piece of information in there, which I could confirm. Um Vigilante was also yeah, up for discussion for uh for, for Soul. So Boom. Okay. Juice. You got the juice. And it probably won't even make compound, but you got the juice. <laughs> okay. You know what? If you if next episode when we reference this juice and you're like, what was the juice? Too late. You need to go <laughs> back out there. Right now, if you're hearing this right now, congratulations. You're you're here for the juice. You're a real one. <laughs> Let's go, real ones. Hey, rise up. On the back. All right, go on. Okay. So like so okay, vigilante from... possible to possible to solve at one point. Yep. Right. Who would you have taken, Arrol? Uh, like not your your have infinite money glitch. You don't have to consider anything else. Just I don't like, know what who would you like? Like I do have infinite money. Yes, or I don't. I do. Yeah, either create uh, Iris and or uh, vigilante. You can't say Jonak or something. Part part of me wants to gamble on a rookie. Just like I I know there's there's just some insane. And he's not even just some rookie either. He's like. You know, uh, at least in contenders, he was he was on par with Finn. Yeah. So like, you're getting you're getting a pretty fucking good dude. Uh huh. Um, sure, Eris has got the veterancy there, and he's a bit more of a known quantity. So if you want a safe bet, you probably go for Eris. But if you want a player you can develop who is a little bit more untapped, I, I think Vigilantes may be a better shot. I, I I'm a bit of a risk taker. Okay. It also depends on your season as well. Like I think, um, I think both would probably end up being a bit of an upgrade over Creative ultimately. Mm -hmm. So you can't really go wrong here. I don't know. I'm probably more of a risk taker. I go vigilante. Right. Yeah, I I don't hate it. Um, it's also, I, I'm not sure if you want to jump there, but like that move where they actually ended up going, it's a bit of a weird one, right? No. To Atlanta. What do you mean to Atlanta? Yeah. Like it felt like for for a long time, or not long time, but at least last season. Like, yeah, they have Venom, but it f always felt like Sefi was slowly but surely building, like, his ideal Western roster. And mm. now he has a relapse, to, like, as mm. the market opportunity presents itself, where he just, like, decides, okay, yeah. I mean, this is this is a thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, and ne It's like funny, because uh, both Laurie and Brad are trying to build their ideal race-based <laughs> rosters, and, uh, but Laurie's like, oh, shit, more Koreans available. Let's go, baby. Yeah, and it's it's a weird one. Like, by the way, if 
I, I, I'm not sure if I ever said it on Crouch, but unfortunately, like the saga here has a little bit uh, taken a little bit of a, uh, <clears throat> you know, timeout because Depay le left the Gladiators. But there's a baller movie, just like between Brad and Depay, essentially always trying to fulfill the same objective, which is win the Overwatch League the b best way they can. And how do they do that? Probably by like getting the best Western players. And those guys both had always like really solid budgets and were negotiating against each other, signing like the crown jewels away from each other. Having like mental breakdowns over that, and like the the movie there is fire as hell. Like if you just look at the positions, like d dude, I would pay solid money for the the, the for the minute after like I don't know, Depay finds out. Uh, sorry, uh, Brad finds out that Kevster is signed to a long contract, or the minute after you know Depay finds out. Kai is locked in, or UV and OG is locked in, dude. That is big Hollywood shit. Like both, both, both. Uh, yeah, both coaches there trying to relive the dream of the 2019 World Cup with USA one. <laughs> yep. yep. Wait, did they? Did USA win in 2019 or 2020? I can't remember. Uh, was it? Tw uh, yeah, I don't know. What is time during COVID? Whatever. We get it. We remember. I think it was it 2019. It was 19, right? I'm not sure. Oh, baby. It's the plague years. Who knows? I don't know. I can't remember. I'll, I'll figure it Somebody out. Somebody in the comments continue. will tell us. Yeah. No, I'll just tell you in like three seconds. Um, <laughs> where were we on? Were we still talking yeah, about Houston? But, okay. And here, like Brad comes in and signs a Korean player again. And that's a weird one, right? Um, I think Vigilante will probably have... Pretty solid retrade value, I will also say. It was 2019, I was right. Anyway. Like, mm. Vigilante probably is only a guy that you play uh, in double flex support matters. Um, I think UV has proven to be good enough to do the entire thing. I'm not sure. Like, maybe you need to build up leverage to solve an internal thing or whatever it is. But, like, um, this is... This is a really interesting pickup that I wouldn't have seen coming. I didn't think they needed a second flex support unless they truly believe we were heading into a double flex support meta again or they lost a bit of confidence in UV or I don't know. Like, yeah. Is there a world where like maybe he was already kind of competitive for UV's position and like it was a good value pickup? Like the price was right, also, they had also, the money? This is really embarrassing, but I totally forgot there wasn't a World Cup in 2020 because of COVID. Yeah. Right. I mean, that makes perfect makes sense. sense. Yeah, because uh, that's right, because COVID happened in 2020 <laughs> to the people like me who have brain damage and can't remember things. <laughs> uh, well, so, of course, there's... Yeah, thank you, COVID. COVID gave me brain damage. Um, yes. Anyway, sorry for that mm -hmm. tangent. Right. Yeah, I, I think Atlanta, like, I, I don't feel like this is, this doesn't set off my alarm bells, weirdly enough. Um, I think, I think maybe Vigilante just had, like, a good going price um, coming out of, out of Justice. And, like, Brad. I don't think, um, mm -hmm. yeah, Brad probably did fine. Yeah, I don't think Soul 
I don't think Arnold's got anything. I don't think Arnold has to feel too bad about missing out yeah, on Vigilante. Yeah, yeah. I feel like getting Eris yeah. here is pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. 100%. Depends on the so deal, again, right? It, it comes down to the conversation. Like, so what does what this look like for Houston? What, what was their yeah, impetus for going for this? Does it, does it literally just go back to the original Halo report of Houston wanting to offload these three players? And now two out of three of them are gone. Certainly could be. I think I think to like combine the two, like with uh, what Yesia said about maybe like uh, budget management things like that, um, maybe the deal, you know, it could cut cut into could. some of that budget. I I don't know, right? Like it's. I mean, it could be a lot of things, right? I think that's also like it's smart to, like basically, like if you feel like there's something extraordinary going on, you just mm-hmm. report that they are trying to offload them and then let the history fill in and if you get any more really solid evidence like i mean let's let's spell it out what it could be and i'm once again only theorizing but why would you need to offload those players well for one you might also be looking at your budget and might be realizing similar things as um the washington justice um you know, ownership uh, are realizing. The second thing is, like, you might be struggling with internal issues where you Mm -hmm. need to break up certain players in order to, you know, have an atmosphere going. There might be um, trade targets that you want to go for and free up budget. You're not necessarily losing budget, um, but you need to free it up in order to make a play wherever that goes, right? So, and I'm sure there are other other situations where you consider the same thing maybe you're just sourcing the market and you actually found uh things that you that you think like solves gameplay issues that you're anticipating needing for the playoffs and whatnot and you're just really genuinely maximizing your win percentages actually this is the one that i believe the most mm-hmm. um but yeah i think like it, it's it's really hard to look behind the scenes and i will also say this is nothing out of the ordinary, whatever happens. Like this, like all of the the things that I just mentioned happen in the league everywhere, all the time. It's per- completely mm. normal. And even in winning teams, right? So... Oh, yeah, of course. Um, 100%. I, I feel like this... It's, it's, a, it's a very weird, like, situation. I think the... It, it, I'm very interested to see that... You know, the Lep and Doge pickups aren't seen as the weird one outs more because they mm. feel pretty weird. Like, Do they? I feel like that's exactly like what you like it, to your point of like playing for like optimal situations and playoffs. I feel like adding like cheap depth is probably your best bet. No cheap depth from Europe that you're not going to import in uh, on ping when you know how shit playing main tank on ping is i mean yeah that that checks out um it is a little questionable but i think it gives you options god forbid like that actually is six you know proven to be successful i don't know like okay i mean you probably didn't know but if you're sitting there i I think Mm. by that time that was actually already done so I, i want like this is a fun hypothetical what if is let's say Boston buys Mag is open to trading Punk, which I'm not sure they would be. 
because technically oh, speaking, they don't cover the brain, same. But... Now, like, does Houston entertain punk, you know? Um, more so in that situation when something like that is available. Also, of course, the asking price is something that you would have to figure out. But, like, yeah, there are yeah. a lot of different uh, scenarios here. And technically speaking, I think there's also still an issue of, like, covering the main tanks, with Do which Doge does. And then you just sure. have Dante for all the flex, like, playable flex tanks. Like, it's mm -hmm. not like we're playing D.Va in 2022, really. Yeah. Um. So... It makes some sense. I at the same time, like, yeah, I, I, I wonder. Like, may, maybe that it's it is just a five head, uh, sixth dimension solution for very limited budget that actually solves all their problems. Which is once again, like, I, I don't find like I genuinely don't find that unbelievable. Can we step into the Twilight Zone for a second? Because I, you, you mentioned a hypothetical, and it kind of slapped me in the face. You know, talking about Boston and Houston here. Um, I want to present this to both of you, and I want to kind of get your takes on this because this feels her like heretical. But I, I want to give a little bit of context. I, I do believe that like there is going to be some like budget trimming um, across esports as a whole, but with especially right. within the Overwatch League, especially looking at Houston, I think that you know the budget could be dwindling a little bit. And I think they may be going into next year. Maybe they're, they're trying to like, you know, clean up the books a little bit. Is there a world where maybe you trade one of your star DPS players for punk? Maybe a Pelican for punk. I know that seems crazy. Nah, 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 nah. You don't think so? Dude, that's way too much money. Like you, you, they got to give you uh, a good chunk. And even then, that's probably like, dude. Like, it's almost impossible to replace Pelican. I agree. I agree. But I, I don't. I don't. I. I. This is like a contenders question. I wonder if like there is like a, a, a upcoming talent that you could scout and try to make a play for. That's maybe not even necessarily comparable, but could do the job. And then you actually have like a tank player that's like good. Mm -hmm. Not to say that Doge is bad, but again, like European on ping, you have to give him a visa that costs money. Punk's already here, right? right? And we've seen what he can do and we've seen how much he can persist. I think like Punk has some value that like maybe he becomes a trade target for. Maybe there's like a weird world where like creative goes to Boston. I don't know. Like I'm just trying to make make trades up that like are fun to think about because, yeah, it, it feels weird to like trade Pelican. But like Houston need a tank, you know, you know, what's Simple also uh, fun to think about do you, joe do you know what an option is like in stocks uh let's let's explain it for the class so okay an option is basically like you buy the option to buy a stock later on okay okay yeah, it, it, like it's a little bit different and a little bit deeper but this is as far as my metaphor sophistication goes so you will have to do with it Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a world where getting Piggy for any team in the Overwatch League is an option of buying Pelican? And if that is the case, is Pelican even that desirable of a trade target anymore? Do you know, understand what I mean? Say that again. Piggy is an, a free agent, right? Correct. Piggy is best friends with Pelican. Yeah. What if you, by signing Piggy, you're getting, like, 
first mover status first, on Pelican okay. or only trade destination. I think it's really that tied to that, but this is another profit <laughs> I don't, situation. I don't like, know how, how tied uh, they are. That's, that's my hypothetical here, but like I I think like they, they are pretty good friends. And sure. I would say, honestly, yeah, like unless uh, Piggy shapes up a lot, I think you have to value that against Pelican. If you really, and I'm not, I'm not saying that that's the case, but if Pelican really is only wanting to play with a team that allows him to bring Piggy, I think that has to be valued against a player, unless Piggy literally also becomes one of the best tanks in the world. Which yeah, and is, that's just not the case. Is isn't I, looking I, great at this point? Yeah. Oh, and it's, it's sad to say. I think he has like some potential there, but like. I I don't see it. I I you know there's a sigma. I think you can confidently say that, but like everything else feels like very serviceable. And I think I think we saw that this season. Right? I like he doesn't see have playing time. Dante's playing. I, all of this like all of what happened with Houston was totally fine for me and was not a red flag for Piggy yeah. until he didn't play Junker Queen. Mm -hmm. At that point, I knew you could no longer justify his existence nope. on the roster because if your tank player cannot pick up the new tank and your dps player is playing it instead despite you probably now being like everyone starts from zero you mm -hmm. can put your tank player on this and see theoretically they should be starting from the zero if that mean if that cannot be accomplished or you're not willing to do this i mean it, it doesn't necessarily only have to be down to piggy right it could also be just a coaching decision then so, yes, this something broke down along the way that is irreparable at this point, and you probably have to. And even with the fact that we've established now via Hash that Piggy did choose to leave, yeah, it doesn't seem amicable. It doesn't seem like they're happy about that situation about him leaving. It, just, it doesn't seem like Piggy's extremely pleased. Definitely doesn't look like Pelican's happy. Pelican's. Yeah. Definitely not pleased about that situation. Um, God, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, no. We are moving towards the Houston roster that uh, they are intending to go towards. They've still got Pelican on there. He's, he's going to have to finish the season. He literally can't be traded anymore. Can't go anywhere else. Um, they'll just have to make it work. But I, I think the general... It seems like the general feeling is that Pelican probably isn't sticking around for next season, uh, pending what his contract status is like. And it seems like maybe Houston want to offload him in the offseason anyway, so wouldn't it, be surprised if that ends up being the case. It is kind of sad, because like, it felt like if they could have stuck the or like stick to the course, this this team, as it looked and as it performed, was probably going to have the best regular season performance of any Houston squad ever, right? Like, last season was already pretty decent. They are now equal with last season, I think, in, in match score. They could have succeeded past that. But now they have the loss against uh, NYXL, which they, like, you know, could have likely avoided. They lost against London. Like, unfortunately, this puts them... Yeah, it, it it puts a damper on the season that could have been very successful for them for them uh, standards. All right, 
Well, that's Houston. Houstonable. Very Houstonable. Let's talk about the final trade, and then we'll then we'll move on. Uh, this one hopefully won't take too long. Khan signed. Ooh, big one. Out of the whole Paris thing. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, to make budget allocation for that signing, Spiller was let go, and he he dropped a very comprehensive foot longer about it. Seems like uh, Spillow was the assistant coach of London. Yeah. And uh, TLDR, you can go to his Twitter if you want to find out uh, the detail, the response. But the TLDR is he wasn't able to be in person with the team at all this year. Part of that was perhaps budgetary, but part of that is definitely because he wanted to stay um, with his wife in sure. the house that he owns and, mm -hmm. and work remotely. Um. And there was a cost involved as well. He actually publicly released his salary. I think it was 45k. And for that, he wouldn't be able to afford a place yeah, of course not. with the team. Yeah. Um, that being said, though, if he was in California, he would have to be paid a lot more than 42. He'd have yeah. to be paid 62, I think. 45, right? He'd have to be paid 62 to be working minimum in, in California. Um, so, yeah. so he couldn't he couldn't afford to move and he didn't really want to move. And um he was about to finally get sent to work with the team in person for two weeks. And then that all got cancelled because they picked up Khan. And so he questions like, well, where do we get the budget to pick up Khan if he can't fly me? And then it's like, well, yeah, unfortunately I had to drop you. And seems like, you know, he was very professional about it. He didn't seem to, you know, yeah. kick up a fuss too much. The only thing he kicked up a fuss about was the fact that they didn't give him a proper announcement, um, a farewell on Twitter, which mm -hmm. was rectified. Uh, has a lot of respect to Christopher Nuki and Commander X um, and you know doesn't seem like there's bad blood there so respect uh, but yeah we, we lose Spiller we gain Khan on the team to me if I had to read between the lines and not to be an, an apologist um, but I feel like this is like one of those moves that you have to be quick on and like that comes at a cost and it sounds like um, and I am speculating. It sounds like, you know, they had to move quickly to meet, you know, a deadline of sorts. Maybe they were competing with another team. Again, I am speculating. I do not know that. But just yeah. from like how Being quickly Atlanta, all this. I mean, shit. That'd be funny, wouldn't it? If they were competing I... against Atlanta. <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> I don't know that that's that too far off base. I, that that kind of makes a little bit of sense to me, at least. Um, but yeah, I think like a, an incredible talent. I think without a buyout on his contract or, or without a contract to buy out, um, he is a talent that is worth every penny that you can throw at him. Um, not to say that their support lineup has been like suspect or, or you know, Landon, um, but I believe is their flex. They're so, so kind of. Yep. Landon is the only flex support. Uh, it's landed in Admiral. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think this is a great addition. Might actually genuinely be a starter. Um, I know. I think Nuki had tweeted that she had worked with Khan in the in the past during. Um, I think one of the World Cup appearances. Oh. So German it's. Buff. Yeah, yeah. There's some synergy there. Maybe the the trifecta. <laughs> I, I think German this is a good synergy. this is this is a good depth add. Um, all things considered. So I, I, it sucks that you have to like cut somebody immediately to kind of race the, the market. But um, 
at the end of the day, you know, you're looking at your performance. You're looking at trying to ride the wave maybe a little bit longer for London. <laughs> being, and being an assistant up. coach, being an assistant coach is rough because you're never, you're never really the integral person on the team mm-hmm. that has to be kept on. Yeah. Um, and your budget allocation for your salary is almost always ends up being the most flexible. I mean, you're mm-hmm. lucky to even have a team of, of assistant coaches yeah, uh, given, honestly. you know, most rosters will probably just have the one guy as a head coach and maybe luckily one extra person as an assistant coach. It's uh, it's a lot of hours and a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, very hard to make it as, an, as a coach and you kind of usually end up being the first target to be dropped as well, which is pretty wild. Yeah. So, I mean, looking at it, like with Khan's addition, it's like, I'm kind of, I don't know where maybe you make future moves. I think there's one obvious one with backbone. I think he's been a great role player, but for the future of Overwatch 2, is he the person that I'm going to like rest my laurels on as like the impact flex DPS that is going to like hard carry some games if we need him to? Maybe if there's a May meta, maybe if I can uh, allocate enough budget well, to pay somebody. It comes down to what you can afford. May. Like who yeah. can you afford? You're not getting Kevster, so... Uh, obviously not definitely not but the, it's like is there a world where maybe backbone gets dropped in the offseason what i'm what i'm kind of talking about is like with the roster that they have now with cons edition it's like this team is shaking out to genuinely be like competitive moving forward so i, I don't even know like i think there is an attack vector to, for improvement and it's probably backbone's replacement but like outside of that i think hottie's been great i think coco like has some room to play in future metas as Overwatch 2 develops. I think they have the double flex support covered. Like, this team is shaking out to kind of be sustainable in the long term, and I think it speaks mm-hmm. to the management. I think it's it's looking good. I feel like they've also had some potential... I'm reading some tea leaves here. Potential issues sure. with flexibility from Landon. Given that he's mainly a BAP guy and everything that's not mm-hmm. BAP is definitely going to be a little bit... Yeah, you know, worse for Landon. So this is potentially their way of fixing that. Could be, yeah. Also, considering that you have to remember from the off-season moves, Landon wasn't their first choice. He's a replacement for provide. So it's like they, you know, they weren't planning on. You know, Landon wasn't the the first option for them to take. It was uh, the one they was available at the time for them to. You know. Uh, load onto the team and, and I think thankfully because London want to play a lot of Ryan stuff Landon's map fits that archetype very very well mm-hmm. so there's that yeah but yeah does seem like a future moves thing I agree I think like a team like London if I if I have Christopher right and I haven't talked to, to him about it but let's say you believe that Khan is like a 5% upgrade at this point over London, London strikes me as a team that would not do that. You know, like, I think... So so you're saying there needed to be a bigger improvement, like... No, like, what I'm saying is, like, for Khan to become a starter, it would have to be such an upgrade in order to take the risk of destroying the atmosphere that they've built up and, like, the internal structure, where... Unless you can really clearly communicate what each of these players is going to do and give them, like, okay, if this hero is meta, you're playing first. If these heroes are meta, you're both playing at the same time, you know? Like, if if, if you have a very clear outline that everyone is completely fine with, that's a def- different thing. 
But I think like if you just think Khan is a straight upgrade on just like two of the picks and you just want to slot him in over Landon, who has mm -hmm. given you a lot this season and stepped into a tough position and has built up, you know, like an is part of the atmosphere that turned out to be one of the biggest strengths the Spitfire has shown this year. Yeah. It's a it's a hard one. Hard gamble to take just jeopardizing your culture. I think it's much more safe to integrate Khan, have him get a feel for what the team is like. Mm -hmm. I think, and this might be, you know, the, the like the reason why I think this might be the color, might be because of the color of my travel passport, <sighs> is I think, I believe like Khan at playing at his best is like a... Top five candidate flex support. Um, while I don't know that a top performing Landon is that. But once again, that's... You're probably right. It's a hard thing to say, but yeah, I think that's probably not too far off base. Speaking of um, culture, by the way, now brought this up because we do... This, uh, this, I want to wrap back on something. Um... Because one of the questions out there is, does creative, or rather, does RSC play immediately on Soul now? Given that, well, actually, the extensive creative builds, does creative C play as well? Given that Houston and Soul have kind of locked up what they want to do on their supports for this meta. Yeah, um, I don't know about Houston, but I don't think, I don't think Eris immediately sees play because, like you said, like, I think this is an established culture where you want profit on the squad. Um. They probably won't ever bench proper profit profit or proper. Uh, neither of them will be benched on their respective teams, but profit's not going to get benched. And even if they wanted to integrate Eris, it's like, well, then profit moves back into Genji, Stalker moves back into Sojin, two players roll swap back onto something they originally played, but it is still a roll swap. And then you're introducing a brand new player where you don't know what the culture is going to be like. Yeah, but you're currently winning as a soul, so why would you do that? Like. What you're doing with Profit Brig is currently working. <laughs> to yeah. me, it feels like you might as well keep it going. It feels too dangerous to try and shake that up. Um, it seems probably a little bit more reasonable to integrate Eris for Countdown Cup rather than this particular tournament. So no, I, I personally don't believe Eris is going to get integrated yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fair. And I don't... Is, is Khan going to integrate it? I mean, he, he can just go from... Texas to California, moving from Paris to London, but does he get integrated immediately, or what? It's Maybe that one's a bit harder to call. Yeah. I, I feel like that's you, less you just, likely just because of the replacement in yeah, that role. Yeah, yeah. Right. And again, hmm. I mean, every role is Profit's role. Like, so, maybe? I don't know. Hard to say. I was talking about Khan, but yeah, I feel like Khan probably won't play yet. I don't know. I think um, to both points, it's probably tough to plug Khan in. Probably a, a slower burn. We are already on the topic of Apex, so we might as well get there now um, and review some of the stuff that happened there, including... We touched up on Soul. Profits on Brig, by the way. Damn. And shit's actually working. Um, Prophet did actually play Brig back in Goats, but he played more Zarya, I feel. I feel like he, he definitely was more well-known 
or Hazaria during the Goch meta rather than yeah. the Brig. I mean, he had to and... flex around Bird Ring, right? Like, that was, yeah, I, by I the way, the like, Ring was... I was, I, I still, like, now I'm getting mad again for, like, the ridiculous underrating of Prophets Season 2. Like, that dude had to flex around, like, guys that really clearly wanted to play an FPS, but, like, ha had to play a mm. speed MOBA. Um, <laughs> First person MOBA. And, like, he did so ad admirably on both roles, right? And, mm. like, it, it, it's absolutely not fair to see Season 2 as, like, an off-season for profit. Anything that's more Season 3 during the Echo meta. And and funny enough, season three was when they made finals. Yes. So even then, crazy, and they actually made more than one finals because they had May Melee as well. Yeah. Uh so Soul Dynasty currently fragging out. They're six and zero in maps. Three zero versus Hunter Spark, mm -hmm. three zero versus Chunk of Hunters. Hunter Spark clearly struggling at the moment, but they also did just get wiped out by the two best teams, so it's like kinda hard. To gauge Hunter Spark, who also don't have Alfie at the moment due to quarantine. Alfie should be available to play now for this weekend, but he was not available for week one. Um, from my perspective, having looked at these games, both Seoul and Shanghai having 6-0 starts, it's just insane. Like, both of these teams are so far ahead in the meta, they're so clean on this meta, they're great on all the heroes, they know exactly what they're mm -hmm. doing. Um, this is why I'm saying, like, Seoul probably don't want to integrate Eris right now because what yeah. they're doing is so good why would you change that there's no reason to i think again a lot of these moves are gonna have to be slow burns you have people coming in they have to travel all this stuff that means that you know not only are they enabled to be there to play they also can't practice to build up rapport to understand what you know the the hierarchy is and in, in the team all of these like soft things that i think people look over um it, it's not just a plug and play good player just you know play on ping and good player perform better it, it, it just doesn't work that way um mm -hmm. so to your point i agree like you're probably going to see more profit break you're probably going to continue uh you know a, a lot of these moves are probably going to be a little bit slower to integrate because of a lot of the the logistics behind the trades and the movement and the the whatnot it's boring to say but yeah probably more of the same and it doesn't sound like it's going that bad but, uh, so far it looks like Soul's actually performing quite well right no, they've established themselves as top in the region again, which is yeah. to no one's surprised. Uh, I don't think their midseason madness will affect them too much here. Mm. It affects their reputation a little bit, but if you felt like Soul was going to come into this stage weak, I don't know, man. Like, that's not, that just feels a little bit disingenuous to all the good work that Soul's put in pre prior to the tournament. Mm. Um,. Stalker's Genji was phenomenal. Like, yeah. honestly, so good. Believe it? And some people are probably a little surprised by that, but it's like, you know, you should... If you knew him from Genji, then you knew yep. that his Genji was going to be great, you know? And it's it's nuts to me, because what... Not to make this about me, but what caught my eye with Stalker initially was his Tracer, and then going back, it was like, oh, this kid is, like, way deeper than just, like, a Tracer player. Like, his Genji's quite phenomenal quite good mm -hmm. and like hearing you kind of talk about it as well like this kid's special and the fact that like 
we haven't seen him, I think, speaks to like the starting, you know, profits and and that duo and how good they are. But like this was not, you know, this was not just like a rookie signing that they were going to keep on the bench to develop. This kid is a starter for most teams. And you're kind of seeing that kind of play out, it sounds like, which is really nice to see. Also, just proving profits flexibility to go back to what Yisko was saying, mm-hmm. uh, which is just really, you know, there was that there was the the commentary made on like, does this negatively impact profits MVP potential? And it's like, really, it should add to it. it. Should yeah. add to it. No, it yeah, should. that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that like that's a sentiment that we have to fight off, like a player that's <laughs> maybe serviceable just on the surface level. The fact that you can say that about somebody that has been around the scene for upwards of five to six years, who's one number, like has won a championship, has won an apex title, like is an MVP caliber talent almost every year he's played the game. And now he can play main support. He can play brick. I'm sorry. That's 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 that begs belief. That's unheard of. That's crazy. That's that's not so talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The thing is, unfortunately, from my consistency standpoint this mm. should hurt his ability to be a role stuff for dps sure i think that's fair but in mvp terms doesn't of- change mvp doesn't yes. change but i think role star might slightly yes. oh, who knows um because i'm pretty sure the voting doesn't start until at least countdown cup so there's still one more stage to play through mm. before we really get into that We'll see. Like usually, we have it at like seventy-five percent of the season. If it would be after Countdown Cup, that would a be a huge improvement. But like, by the way, like, hey Matt, if you send out those hmm? ballots and you think it's better to send them out earlier so more people come back to you, actually sending them very late is a great quality of control of those that have a clue. Just just do it after Countdown Cup. Thank you. Or at least, like, the submissions should not be available to be sent in until after people see Countdown Cup. Right. Right. I don't know. I'm yeah. going to hijack I feel like, the... I feel like we, we, we didn't get to... At least I remember it was open prior to Countdown Cup opening last time, but I refused to send them in until after Countdown Cup. Mm. I mean, smart. Yeah. Try to... Give the, the right people the votes. I think that's also I'm the, burning the my ballot if Supreme is uh, on it as coach of the year. <sighs> Oof. You you won't I'm burning my ballot that's, that's if he's not. <laughs> he needs to be on there. Because again, his sleeper agent tactic is working wonders. True. I, so I, I'm I'm mo- not I didn't say if, how I would burn it and if it would serve as a thing to roll a thing up in. You know? That's true. Which he's is the amount of substance I would need someone in order that I to would like entertain to, it. Someone that I would like to see on it is No Hill. So let's talk about the Valiant real quick as well. Ooh, they okay. are doing some stuff at the moment, putting Dia on the Junker Queen. So they're doing a bit of a Dante mirror type of move here. Yeah. Putting a DPS player on the, the tank. And uh, the more I see it, the more I'm like, this is this is what you need. This is probably like ideal because mm. you're in a meta where tank flexibility is not required. You can literally one trick a single tank. It is the most DPS-like tank out of all tanks ever released. And DPS players can hit those mechanics probably a little bit more in some cases, not all, not always, because people bring up how good Harmon is. 
Right. But there's there's you know there's plenty of arguments to be made that on specific teams where you don't have Harmon, which is 19 out of 20 teams, um, you may have a DPS player that can play those mechanics on the Junker Queen better than your tank plays. Mm-hmm. And to get to the situation where you're like, yeah, maybe Dia is that guy on our team. It's like that's to me not out of the question. That's actually pretty pretty out there. Like, I I respect that from No Hill. Um. They also play the Sash and Brig. I think that's just the response to them not having confidence on Molly's Brig. It is what it is. Sash has been notably a very flexible player in the past. He's played DPS, he's played tank, now he's playing support. Like guys run through all three roles now professionally. Um I will say, like, sadly, you you'd have to still put Valiant at the bottom of the power ranking despite looking good because they lost both their matches, two threes yeah. as well. Valiant have an uncanny ability to reach map fives, but then fail to win them. <laughs> it's been all this season, right? So many times. So many times this season they've done that. Did we have it's the, the curse two ones? No, not versus Philly. No, that's that is no. that's some <sighs> Houston like season two shit. Was it yep. season two, season one? Yeah. I forgot. I think it was a carryover from both that like their map five win rate was like abysmal. Let's like, see. They one, lost two. a ton of map five. Four, five. It's not great. And the Valley Philly map five was like down to the wire. Like it was, damn. You know, a single fight basically decided it. Was it five? Granted, Harry? yes, five. Okay, sweet. Granted, the Valley versus Guangzhou map five was super one sided for Guangzhou, mm. and man, were Valiant just like stubborn against trying to counter the junk. The, the, no, the the fire. It's like fire is not even that great in the current mm-hmm. match. And yet Valiant just refused to play Echo to just immediately counter. And they allowed Guangzhou to run this fire, which just beat them. And it's like, all right, guys. Damn. Come on, please. That can't be it. This can't be the response. Right. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, as much as it may not be ideal or optimal, I think the fact that we are seeing things like May, things like Farah, and to Avril's point, um, you know, maybe Echo in response to Farah, maybe the dichotomy between Ash and Sojourn. I'm glad that there at least is some, and I'm I'm coping here, I'm reaching here. There is some diversity. Uh, I, I appreciate that at the very least that it's not completely rigid. Um, and it is kind of interesting to, to but it's like diversity those. that sh- doesn't even work. It's so easily <laughs> counted, and it only works when the other team just like does nothing against it. Yes. Yes. Huh. Just ridiculous. Like, <laughs> it, it should not be an issue. It's it's become an issue that was as to me a non-issue. Yep, it should not have been an issue. It's just sad to see. Um, right. You also have uh, Chengdu, which actually performed yeah. admirably despite their own three loss to Seoul, which was so bad. But then they had a three-zero win versus Philly, who who don't look particularly good right now. So Philly and Chengdu, I think, round out the middle tier next mm. to Hangzhou. I still say that Guangzhou is at the bottom, but they at least beat the Valiant, so you can't put them number seven. Right. Seoul and Shanghai are clearly at the top. Hangzhou, Philly, Chengdu somewhere in the middle. Guangzhou, Valiant at the bottom is how the dichotomy of APAC works currently. Um, the Valiant have the capability to reach so much high just because of their, what we saw out of them was so good. Like This mm. could have easily been a 0-2 week for Philly. Mm. 
And then you, and because of that, you'd have to put them number seven if it was zero yeah. two week. And people were so like defensive and tilted when I came out very early on coming into the seat, the stage and said like, yeah, I think Philly's not going to do well. This, this meta, I think this is not mm. the Philly's meta. This is, I, I can see them losing. And people were like, no way, dude. Like Philly, they, they did the best out of all the Apex teams. No way. <sighs> dude. It's like, guys, we're in a different meta. Like yeah. different heroes. Yeah, but what about the Zesk engine? Like, yeah, but what about the rest of the team? Mm-hmm. One dude doesn't make your whole team as proven versus Chengdu. Like Zesk can well, only do so much. Well, MN3 Zesk should is, be popping as well, right? Theoretically. Like, he's, DPS. Benched. He's, he's benched behind yeah. Carpe at the moment. Yeah. But that's the problem. It's like you can't even say, like, oh, they should, they, you know, MN3 would do so much better. It's like, he's really not. They played him and he still looks average as well. Mm. Yeah, I don't know what, like, why I, this boy is so I, inconsistent. I, like, it, this should be his meta, right? No. Well, I don't think he's a really great Sojin. The problem is he's good on the the traditional hit scans. Yeah. But he's just been okay on the Sojin. Yeah. And they trust Carpe Sojin more than him in three Sojin. And part of me can't blame them for it because I like comparing the two. It's like neither of them are particularly great at it. But maybe Carpe slightly better. And if you want the to squeeze your percentage chance of winning, you probably do back Carpe a bit more is than in three. Is there a world where? Perhaps you you take the bite on the optimal train and you put MN3 in on Ash? Is that something that's tenable? But that is only good on certain maps, and even on the good Ash maps like New Queen Street, mm. where they put MN3 in, he didn't play a lick, he didn't play a single second of Ash. Didn't play a lick mm. of it. He only played Sojin, despite okay. being on the Ash map. And then you're at that point, you're like, well, why didn't they just keep Carpe yeah. in then? What was the Should point of the swap? Carpe. Yeah. That is a little confusing because I feel like you have a weird little bit of depth so that if you are, you know, playing Ash to be a little bit dynamic, to be a little creative, to maybe change up the tempo a little bit, um, MN3 can be that guy for you. But if they're not doing it, then yeah, it, it does feel a little strange. That feels odd. And then mm. Hangzhou is just like a, you know, we'll wait and see situation. Yeah, Once you how in. far Alpha you should change the needle quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I feel like they. I feel like they also. I, here's the thing that people haven't talked about mm. is despite Irony being available to play, he hasn't scrimmed with his team because he's been in quarantine as well. For some reason, Alpha's quarantine took longer, and Irony was available just to play with the team sooner. But he's not practiced in this meta. Uh, Hungry Spark look underprepared in this meta because they're two players to their starting players traveling and one of them wasn't available for this match for these the opening weekend uh also hangzhou played the two best teams so i think you have a very easy case of saying like okay well they, they lost to seoul in shanghai didn't look pretty but they could still very well be the third best team in apac for this meta after seoul and shanghai like you, yeah you put a, probably put a tear break between seoul shanghai and spark but spark might very well still be the third best team genuinely because at least spark didn't get embarrassed to seoul the same way the Chengdu did. Chengdu looked were completely invisible versus Seoul. In fact, Seoul got a speed run. Seoul set a brand new league record in Dorado for fastest Shit, ever wow. Dorado cap time versus Chengdu. That's, that, that's a record that that's a record that stood since 2018. By the way, and that Seoul bad. broke that record that stood in 2018 versus Chengdu. That bad. Jeez. Whereas at least Hangzhou looked semi competitive. Right. So I, I think there's a fair case to say that Hangzhou is still probably the third best team. They just mm. haven't, they just, because they have more to show, whereas Chengdu, as good as they looked versus Philly, they don't have more to show. At this stage, you've seen everything they have to show. Right. Yeah. Hangzhou still have 
the extra scrim time required with irony post quarantine plus alpha e coming in so there's more there that i'm banking that hangzhou can really lean into and that's going to be proven probably in the chengdu versus hangzhou match that is uh on the friday the opening mm-hmm. match of apac this week yeah yeah it's an interesting one can I open a small side topic? Like I, I'm, I'm just thinking about like why MN3 could be so inconsistent on Sojourn, and okay. I remembered like one, one part of an interview I did with him, and basically like, I think it's not just MN3 himself, but Philly in general, and I think they're right, is that they have identified that track aiming. And snap aiming, so like, you know, the widow, the one-shot type of like mm-hmm. flick aiming, are very different skill sets. Like, in, I, think of any other yes, FPS right. yeah, franchise. Like, That's like crazy. With the exception of like Quake, yeah. almost every other game lets you get away with, with just doing one of the, the two, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, not always. Like, in CS, like... You you definitely like even your hardcore APA sometimes has to pick up a rifle and whatnot and learn spray control. But even the rifling is like spray control is not tracking aim. Yeah. Yes. It's it's definitely different. So, yeah. But like in in Overwatch and especially especially Sojourn, like you can't get out of it. Like we we used to have like very de- dedicated like track aimers and very very dedicated. Like even like, someone like Defran didn't have like, you know, while he was probably the unrealist um, track aimer on on soldier, he wasn't like the best widow in the world, right? Like sure. it's a very different skill set. Now soldier mm-hmm. wants both of those worlds from you. Yeah, he wants to. Wants you to be very good at track aiming, arguably even a little bit of the projectile mindset there, mm-hmm. and then it also wants you to be like a hit a, a widow hit scan god. And by the way, I I'm still on the recording. My Discord just died, which is unfortunate. Um, but since you guys can still hear me on the recording, I, I I'll just keep going. Um, but like. This this particular interaction between Sojourn Sojourn's abilities is like almost a genius level um, requirement for players that just opened up the entire uh, pool of responsibilities that are really like seldom the case in FPS and I I hope like we see more of this. But like this is this is exactly the type of thing that people then say when they say, okay, Overwatch is one of the hardest games to master, and it's true. It's just strictly speaking, it's absolutely true that um, you generally don't have to do this in other FPS, right? Like you, you can divide the skill sets, but um, when when you have it on on that, and then you also don't have you know the you know the pre-aimy aim where people just come around the corner at the same head height or whatever but they can jump they have insane velocity and whatnot man overwatch is such a hard game to aim in it's it's pretty sick like uh so yeah there's there's still a discord issue persisting not really sure what to 
do about this here? And it only seems to be a German issue because the funny thing for those, and this is a little bit how the cookie is made here, which is revealed, I can still see that Joe and Avril can talk to each other. And I can't see their cameras. <laughs> As you can see, they're dancing. <laughs> but they, I guess they could see me through YouTube and listen to me. Right? Oh, oh, wait. I could... Uh, wait, this is... No, this doesn't work. No, guys, my, my Discord is in perma-spinny mode. That's the problem. It doesn't let me back into Discord. And I, I think I just checked mobile as well. And it doesn't even let me into Discord on mobile. So... Discord seems completely down. Unlucky. Unlucky. We are trying to resolve this. Let's see. What? What other tool can you use in order to connect to people via voice? Is this where the good old Steam comes in? This is insane, by the way. Um, Hmm. I guess the other thing that we could do is unmute your OBS ninja. And that is episode 258. Yeah, that actually sounds so bad through OBS Ninja. It's crazy. <laughs> it really is. So thanks for watching. Yes, because Discord uh, died. 
And um, the last thing was uh, charge. We'll see what happens. New roster. Yay, go Jimmy. Jessica, can you let us out of your basement, please? Uh, no. Can you even hear us? Yes. Yes, I can. You probably only hear me with a lot of delay. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. And I can hear myself. Uh, all right then. <laughs> Thanks is... for tuning in. Technology. You can help. help. Yeah. All right. Episode 258 of TCP brought to you by Discord. Thank you very much. Peace.